It's time. Finally, a show for you. A once-a-week extravaganza, giving you the weekend's movies, the week's cons and entertainment events, what is worth watching on television for the week, the weekly comic book, novel, game, and collectible releases, as well as entertainment news and information. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture. It's Pop Culture Kaboom with your host, Jimmy Jones. Hello, everyone listening locally in northern Nevada on KNVC 95.1 FM and online nationwide and in 20, over 26 countries at www.knvc.org. Mr. Spencer Stoner, Mr. Rob Nault, and I, Jimmy Jones, are here to give you everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment, whether you consider Sunday the end of your week or the beginning of it. Go into Monday the best informed person you know as we provide you with the latest news, information, and releases from television, comic books, movies, novels, cons and events, toys and collectibles, and games. The Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show is also your place on the radio dial for you to talk about your favorite fandoms. This week, Tony Sanfilippo, Filippo's Horrible Reviews, will be joining us to go over the movies set to be released this coming week. And welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show, our special guest... Hollywood film producer Damon Hillen. We'll be talking with Damon Hillen about his latest horror thriller film, The Flood, his career in the film industry, and the movies he has produced, as well as Damon Hillen's insight into the film industry. We'll also be talking with Damon Hillen about his upcoming projects that he can discuss without violating any of those pesky NDAs. Those do keep popping up, don't they? Yeah, they do. This will be a must-hear conversation for anyone interested in entering or looking for information within the film industry as a director actor, writer, or producer. If you have questions, Damon Hill will be here and definitely the one to ask. Uh, All of this and your comments and thoughts on the seven pillars of pop culture entertainment, your favorite fandoms, and everything discussed on the show. To add your voice, call 775-515-4141 anytime during the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show, or you can send me a DM through the Pop Culture Kaboom Facebook page, and it might be read on air and answered. Because I answer every question that I do get, believe it or not. And uh, comments and statements are, are subject to uh, um, what they're about. So that's why that little caveat is there. <laughs> On-air approval. That's right. So, Rob, thank you for joining us uh, this week. You were gone last week. Yes. yes. Uh, we had an interesting show last week. I heard, I heard. Yeah, with yeah. the uh, Wild West Championship Wrestling uh, Tag Team Champions. Uh, Tyson Reigns and Chase Havoc, nice, uh, aka Havoc Reigns. Right, right. Uh, we also had Colt Weston in here. He was oh. the uh, senior referee, so it was interesting to get a referee's perspective on the world of wrestling. Um, yeah, we so. give him so much crap about not being able to count. Yes, <laughs> yes, they did. Uh, well, I, I guess he messed up one of their matches. Oh right? yeah, yeah. The last so. match, the last match that they had, he messed up the count. Hmm. And that's why I could not count the three is beyond me, but okay. (laughs) I I was a little confused. Well, he was counting on the wrong person who was pinning the wrong person or it it, it was a chaos. It was, (laughs) it was was wrestling chaos last show too. Um, So, and with that being said, we didn't get into something, a big event that happened the weekend prior or or, the day before actually uh, that show, which was the silver age comic con. I never got to talk about that because this is just so much going on with this show last week. So um, congratulations to everybody who got tickets. And again, uh, the wild west championship wrestling event. Um, I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah, I, I'm trying to. I always get to confuse. Get That's the phrase the name of the event. Incorrect. I'm your Huckleberry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm your Huckleberry. I'm okay. your Huckleberry. No, this one's not at the regular location. No, uh, no it is, is at the Neil Street. 
Neil Road. Neil Road Recreation Center. There you go. In Reno, Nevada. And it's an all-ages <laughs> event this time Yay! around. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they haven't That's had an all-ages since Halloween Havoc last year. That's good. So, yeah. Um, so, lots of people were inquiring about that. Yeah. Yeah, my little girl is really looking forward to that now because she's too young to go to the, uh, the brew house. So no, it opens up, it opens up a lot more fans for him, too. So that's good for Yeah, them. it is. Yeah. Um, so that's going on. Um, so that was all going on last week. So we will be talking, because uh, Spencer and I did go to the Silver Age Comic Con. Um, I got lots of videos. Um, if you go to the Pop Culture Kaboom Facebook page, you can see the pictures that I took of some of the cosplayers. I wasn't able to get them all, though. Um, oh, yeah, there were so many. Yeah, yeah, there was. There were so awesome tons. ones, too. Oh, yeah, there's... The R two D two. Oh yeah, the giant mech mech R two D two was. Wow. <laughs> there was a guy with a uh, dressed like a Gundam. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. there too. They wow. Had really good, really good um, cosplays this yeah. time around. And, That's and some really good Mandalorians. Oh yeah, it was like a whole <laughs> clan of Mandalorians. I thought we were on the set there for a minute. You know, <laughs> there were so many of them. Should have just got Any a shot of that. Uh, no, but no. Uh, some of them were carrying Grogu. Okay, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, let's see, lots then, of Jedi's and yeah, Sith, and a lot of Spider-Man too. Oh, Spider-Man yeah. had a oh, really we were in all the, the different types. We were of in the yeah. Mandalorian Spider Verse. Uh, it always <laughs> felt like <laughs> so. Uh, but there's some other interesting ones too. A lot of um, um, Demon Slayer. Oh, actually, really? Oh, um, yeah. Cosplayers um, and a lot of very. I, I know I saw the uh, at least two or three of the Lev Harishi. Um, there, she was the one with the uh, braids that were like green and pink. Oh yeah. So, yeah, and um, what's his name's uh, sister with the Nezuko? Nezuko's a lot of Nezuko's. Uh, yes, Eric in uh, Whittier, California, was R two D two as a mech. Um, go and check out the picture, sir. Um, you, I think you'll <laughs> you'll enjoy them. Um, and the five uh, zero leading five zero first was there. Yeah, the five zero first. Yeah. And so Legion, they were they're of course uh, a group of um, Star Wars enthusiasts. Yes. Um, actually, I was taking uh, um, Mark Helton from uh, uh, Fat and Black Connection and also um, uh, 97 to Now Productions, productions um, on a tour and kind of you know saying, oh, this is them, this is what they do. Um, they actually had on display one of the um, Sand People costumes that was actually used. In, oh, nice. in one of the movies, um, the five hundred first also um, during the filming of uh, um, the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. they didn't have enough extras. Yes, so the five hundred first was volunteered, and, and they and yep. a bunch of them came down dressed as Mandalorians. So yeah, because a lot uh, of them always, have have like basically show ready. Yep. Yeah, their costumes accurate, are yeah. amazing. Like, yeah. and they're all like built by them and stuff. Mm-hmm. They are. Absolutely amazing. There's like, a sand trooper there that was walking around. Yeah, <laughs> right, I think he was so. a little short for a storm for to be a stormtrooper. No, he was. My personal he, he was. He was tall. He was tall. <laughs> um, uh, yep, there were standard trooper, uh, standard stormtroopers, um, and as well as the uh, aforementioned um, sand trooper. Uh, I didn't see any clone troopers though, Eric. So, uh, no, I don't think I did either. No, so n- none of the uh, uh, bad batch. Um, that would have been interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. It's bad batch, uh, especially coming across a stormtrooper. Just have him have a stare down. <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting. Um, so all kinds of stuff going up that, uh, that we will be talking about later in the show. 
also uh, join me for some upcoming stuff. Uh, you're not so humble, host of all things pop culture kaboom. Jimmy Jones, that's me. We'll be on Pickstand Talk Show this Saturday, July 22nd at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time for the Pop Culture Kaboom recap on Pigstand. There will be plenty of laughs as Pigstand Talk Show hosts Emerald Storm and Nick give their twisted thoughts and hilarious comments to the biggest news, information, and releases from the seven pillars of pop culture entertainment that I will be bringing with me. Since it will be live on younow.com, I'll have pictures and trailers for your viewing pleasure. Pigstand Talk Show on any internet-connected device at www.younow.com backslash pigstand, and you can be a part of their interactive audience as well. Go to www.younow.com backslash pigstand and get a Pop Culture Kaboom recap Saturday, July 22nd, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Pigstand Talk Show. And Spencer, you got an appearance coming up. Uh, you'll be on the Fat and Black Connection on Wednesday, August 2nd at 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Yes, sir. Uh, talking about everything you got going on, which oh. is a lot. Yeah, which is, yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to stay busy. That's for darn sure. Hey, ain't we all? Um, yeah. Just hopefully it's, uh, at some point it pays <laughs> to be this busy. Uh so you are always welcome to send an email. Email. Yep. Uh, yeah, with, with, your... the, with some general basic guidelines. Yes. Well, yes. Uh, some guidelines <laughs> and, indeed. Any any that we can do this week? Yes, I will Yay! get into some. Uh, you should have heard the ones last week. They were actually kind of interesting. Uh, you, you can send that email with your questions or comments about anything discussed on the show, your favorite fandoms, or with the seven pillars of pop culture entertainment. You can email us at popculturekaboom at gmail.com. Please put in the subject line question, comment, concern, or my fandom. That must be in the subject line. In the body of the email, start off by putting your name, first name only, please, city, state, and or country that you live in, then fire away with what's on your mind. I respond to each and every email. If you are, if they are for Spencer or Rob, I will forward the email to them to respond it back to you. Bear in mind, it will be read on the air unless you specify for it not to be, or you can't follow those simple instructions. Uh, first up, Stacy from Antioch, Illinois. Oh, I thought it was going to be California. Too. Right. Yeah. Uh, how come you didn't talk about the Silver Edge Comic Con? Um, <laughs> Ran out of time. <laughs> yeah, mainly because our, of the guests we had in, had in studio. Uh, but never fear, we're going to be talking about it shortly. Uh, Taylor from Forest Hill, California. I don't even know where that is. I should have Googled that <laughs> before I got on the air. Uh, do you do blood drives or events like that anymore? Uh, no. I don't. Not at the moment. Uh, too busy to, um, and my schedule is too erratic. Um, with the blood drives going through COVID, it was, uh, at first you couldn't donate, then they really badly needed the blood. Um, but I, I was a platelet donor, so I could go like every week if I wanted to. Um, I actually found out that they actually limit that. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, you got to stop coming in and giving platelets so, yeah. cause we can't take any more. But, um, um, I haven't done anything like that in a long time because mainly because of COVID. Um, I might get back into that if my s schedule stabilizes a little bit so that I have time to, um, it's oh, the best yeah, that is kind of it. the big trick there, having the time. So just keep, uh, keep, keep your eye out and, uh, we will get to that if, if at all possible. And again, if you want to talk to us right now for the next three hours, 775-515-414, or you can DM through the Facebook page, or you can contact us 24-7 at popculturegaboom at gmail.com. The Phoenix Question of the Week. 
This question is about the world of espionage in movie cinema. Action-adventure has been a staple in movies and pop culture in general. The Phoenix Question of the Week asks, which one of the following is the deadliest spy in movies? No Jason Bourne, though. (laughs) That (laughs) That was the first uh, thing I did notice. That does seem to be an erroneous... Omission there. I don't know. He always Is limits it because the... he doesn't know he's a spy. <laughs> wow. There you go. That's yeah, true. Uh, first up is Harry Tasker from True Lies. I don't know about the deadliest. Yeah, right. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I am, I am, uh, most comedic. I am wearing my Arnie shorts. <laughs> That's so. Well, that's what I said maybe most comedic. <laughs> yeah, most comedic. That could be. Uh, John Mason, who was played by... Um, Sean Connery. Yes, um, uh, for The Rock. And actually, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to hold off on that one, but there's a fan theory that actually fits with that. Yes, I'm um, a supporter of that fan theory. Evelyn well. Salt uh, from the movie Salt. Uh, it was Angelina mm-hmm. Jolie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikita from La Femme Nikita. Never saw it. Yeah, that's a question of which version, though. There's yeah, the, movie, the, yeah, the, the French version, the one with... <laughs> wow. Because I, I am a fan of Maggie Q, but, you know. <laughs> Eric says, boot to the head for Spencer and Rob. What? Boot to the head for Spencer and Rob. He doesn't specify why. Probably something you guys said. <laughs> uh, James Bond, who was, of course, James Bond. Um, fan theory is that J- John Mason was actually James Bond. And, they, they, yes. and, that, uh, that and that's was why like, Sean Connery stopped being Bond, uh, because he was captured by the U.S. Yeah, and uh, turned and sent to some weird <laughs> Guantanamo Bay-looking place for, like, ever and, uh, and, and, that's up, why, and that's why we keep getting more different Sean, different James Bonds. I, I think it's just because uh, that's a, actually a relatively good idea for them to keep changing the Bond actor and just mm-hmm. keeping the name in her. I mean, otherwise, because they, they probably all die because, you know, he's going around telling everybody he's James Bond in the well, first place. As, <laughs> well, as far as I understood, even the 007 was a, a designation, not a, like... Well, yeah, oh, yeah, you know. but the James Bond name, uh, there there is another fan theory that I actually kind of like, but it requires a lot of suspension of disbelief in that all the, these are all the same James Bond, but the movies are put out of order. What? Yeah, uh, basically, like, uh, like the Daniel Craig's ones are basically the start. And the finish, because, uh, spoiler alert, in the last James Bond movie, Daniel Craig died. <laughs> yeah, well, he's going to be so. replaced also. Well, yeah. But, that's what they well, keep well, saying. Yeah, but, the, but they're saying that it was all the same James Bond, but all the, the adventures are done out of order. Well, here's the thing, though, is that no, that they, can apply they, to they, all of them, like M. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know. Well, they, they've actually redone a couple of the movies with the, <laughs> with the newer actors, too. So that's, yeah, you know. That's true. Well, yeah, I, did, I didn't say it was an accurate one. I just said I it know, was interesting. I know, I know. All right. So, guys, <laughs> those five, uh, Harry Tasker, John Mason, Evelyn Salt, Nikita, or James Bond. Which one is the deadliest spy in movies? Well, there's a there's kind of a question there is is it deadly or competent <laughs> because you could say deadly not competent yeah. because like with harry tasker you could say that he was you can argue that he was one of the most deadly because he actually let a nuclear explosion go off and you know that could have killed you know literally hundreds of thousands of people but it didn't but it didn't <laughs> yeah but that was because well to be perfectly honest pretty much all the spies in that movie are pretty incompetent <laughs> Okay. I mean, come on. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis kills a whole bunch of people by an Uzi falling down the stairs. But yeah, she, but wasn't she wasn't a spy. A spy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but my point is, it's just like, it was a comedy of errors from beginning to end. It's a fun movie. Okay, well, but, but we're yeah. not talking about the right. movie. So, we're talking about the right. one character, 
Harry Tasker. Yeah. Right. Sorry, I pontificated again. I apologize. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Harry, which, um, which one of those four? Five. Well, I would say uh, James Bond and John Mason because I am a supporter of that Bond is, Mason is Bond theory. <laughs> yeah, because you can technically tie those both together. I'm going to go with James think, Bond, too, because mm-hmm. uh, Harry Tasker had one movie. Evelyn Salt only had one movie. I've never watched a La Femme Nikita movie, period. And, a show, and the show had Maggie Q, and I love Maggie Q, but... Which, you know, she's no Bond. Hopefully she backed it better than she did in a movie this week. That's all I got to say. Yeah. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm going to go with James Bond slash John Mason. Um, what say you, Rob? Uh, James Bond all the way. That's... Yeah, definitely the most deadliest because he's been in so many movies that he actually has a kill sheet. So all right. He also has you know the car that can kill you 18 million thousand ways. You know, like... <laughs> As long as he's behind the wheel, though. Right, yes. Oh, yeah, Not always. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I forgot about that. Well, and, in, and in GoldenEye, he kicked his own butt with his car. Yeah, remember? Yeah. Wow, okay. <laughs> ah. All right, so what are your guys' opinions? Is it uh, Harry Tasker from True Lies, John Mason uh, slash uh, James Bond from The Rock, Evelyn Salt from Salt, Nikita from La Femme Nikita, or James Bond, a.k.a. James Bond? All right, so let's get to the big story of the week. Uh, the Writers Guild of America strike is now officially in its 75th day. And as of Friday, the SAG-AFTRA or the Screen Actors Guild American Federation of Television and Radio Artists is now on strike as well. Now officially in its third day. SAG-AFTRA was formed in 2012 after the merger of the Screen Actors Guild, found, which was founded in 1933, and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. The combined guild represents roughly 160,000 performers, from Oscar-winning A-list stars such as Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep to radio personalities and television presenters. presenters. Uh, this is the first time since 1980 that SAG has been on strike and the first time since 1960 that two Hollywood unions have been on strike at the same time. The effects of the WGA strike can already be felt across the entertainment landscape when the writers headed to the picket lines, production on many small screen productions shut down, and late-night talk shows which rely on topical monologues and segments scripted by full-time staff members were sent into reruns. Now, you'd think that with a background of comedy that uh, most of the late-night talk show hosts mm-hmm. would be doing their own topical monologues. Oh, yeah, but, but a but, lot of them are doing it in solidarity with the writers. And, yeah. and, and even then, too. they're part of the writers' guilds, too. Mm-hmm. Themselves, so they, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I digress. Never mind, then. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but the but a lot of the issues that the writers' guild having and the, and the actors' guild are, are very same. similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, TV networks are expected to lean heavily on unscripted programs like reality shows that have been stockpiled ahead of the writer's strike. And the SAG after walkout has forced big budget movie sets to go dark until a new agreement is reached. Every day, uh, consumers of pop culture may also notice that recognizable stars will have to pull back from promoting their projects because that form of publicity would be barred while on strike which yep. means no interviews and no public appearances yep. uh, the big question mark how seg after members handle attending comic and pop culture cons 
while remaining in compliance with what their unions are telling them uh, they can or can't do. It's a matter that uh, can can complicate things for union members, though much of it is outside their direct control, like how an event promotes their involvement in the overall promotional campaign. Of course, one on one upcoming event that's getting hit hard by the WGA and SAG after strikes is the San Diego Comic Con, uh, scheduled for next weekend. Uh, my problem with this whole fiasco is the one thing almost no one is talking about in this entire debate, the financial hardship on the hundreds of thousands who are not part of either union or the AMPTP that are dependent on the industry for their livelihood. Makeup artists, stunt professionals, lighting professionals, sound professionals, uh, carpenters, construction workers, mm-hmm. all of those people who aren't part of the, either of those unions are the ones that are, you know having issues and aren't getting paychecks because all of these things being shut down. Um, But there's more to the story, uh, which we will get to when we come back. So don't go anywhere. More Pop Culture Kaboom radio show. And if you have any comments that you would like to uh, add, 775-515-4141. And do me a solid. Tell at least three of your friends about the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show, which is on right now. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. And uh, we're left off with our big story uh, for this week, which is the uh, SAG-AFTRA going on strike along with the uh, following, in, you know, the WG, WGA mm-hmm. uh, into being on strike. Um, and I was uh, mentioning how it affects everybody uh, not tied to either of those unions that are in the film industry. Uh, lighting professionals, stunt professionals, makeup artists, sound professionals, carpenters, construction workers, and movie theaters. Because yeah. without movies, then they're not going to be really having anything going on. And, uh, you know, there's some... <laughs> More unemployment right there. Yeah, you're going to have uh, to do a lot of flashback cinema. Yeah, and then uh, there's going into all of the uh, other side businesses, like the catering businesses mm-hmm. that are on set uh, for, you know, uh, staff or should I say, is that the right terminology, staff? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, to be um, so that they are, you know, fed. Uh, also, depending on how long this drama drags on and what the end result might be, I am curious how this will affect small companies like and groups and individuals in what is considered the independent film industry. Uh, yeah. Will this be a moment in time to be the boost that they need to become more prominent on movie and television screens? Uh-oh. Well, we also will probably see a lot more foreign um, films coming in too, which is what happened last time, uh, which is great because it opens it, it widens that exposure. Because there's right now there's a lot of actors that are part of the um, UK Guild and part of SAG AFRA, and they're actually still working on um, films over in Europe and stuff like that. True. So and there's uh, always Bollywood. Where, well, well, <laughs> well, that's where that whole thing yeah. came in about, like where they have to check in with their union if what they can do, what they can't do, because there's certain rules that they have to follow when they're under other unions in like the UK, they have other rules too and stuff like that. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see because there's movies that are still being produced, but they're being produced not by Americans. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And then, uh, and then, like, Bob Iger and other producers have really stepped in it, too. Oh, okay. I, I have to yeah. tell you, I say go go Fran. Like, <laughs> well, what, 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 did, what, what, so what did Fran Drescher do? She just, she actually is, she's she's 
doing great as the new leader of the union. And I think her speech was very empowering. Mm -hmm. And when she told off by Bob Iger, it was great. Oh yeah. Because Um, this is, this is all so disruptive. It's like, that's kind of the point of a strike. Yeah, no. And it it was, it was great. So I, I have, I, I love her for that because like, I never expected her. And, you know, I was like, I didn't even know she was until all of this. I was like, yeah, go. Yeah. And I can't remember the nanny. What do you mean? You didn't know who she was? No, that she, that she was in charge of the union, you know, neither did I, I thought she disappeared. Um, Yeah, no, exactly. You know, so I was like, really? The nanny. And the fact that she's, that she's so serious about this and so involved in the negotiations compared to some of the past, you know how she could win a negotiation. Just do that laugh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah but uh continuously right? okay okay just stop laughing <laughs> I, I can't remember the, the what the name of the pro- producer who said this but they said they basically want the writer strike to go on until the writers start losing their houses and apartments yeah well an unnamed an un- source yeah. mm-hmm. so that yeah. could be I, I have absolutely zero faith in anybody that claims a, a quote is from an unnamed source. Yeah, well, I know Ron Perlman was not happy about that. Well, you know what, Ron Perlman? Um, why don't you, like, simmer down a little bit? <laughs> I think it's almost just somebody just, you know, wanting to stir the pot, just well, throwing out BS. I, well, definitely it's, I think Ron it's Perlman's great, pot. and it's very yeah. eye-opening that all these actors, too, are sharing the actual residuals that they are getting due to the streaming and stuff like that. Yeah. There's some that are getting negative residuals. How do you get negative? Because you somebody be returns to be on the there? movie or something. Like, it's oh. so crazy. Like, uh, yeah, because yeah. That, that happens with writers and stuff, too. Yeah, I didn't even know that could even happen. You Me know? neither. It's like, until this, yeah, it, it, it's, it's like being on a unusual. stock market. I was like, what? I yeah, got to exactly. pay you money and like, now? Some people were like, your entire, like, they were showing their entire month of residuals was like 38 yeah. cents. Well, well yeah. and the thing that's kind of funny, I'm sure it's very similar with, uh, with movies and such, but with books, when you're a writer... Uh, you, 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 sometimes if somebody orders, like, like in my case, I had to fix it, but, uh, if somebody ordered my book in Australia, it would actually have cost me money instead of, instead of actually making me any any money just because I guess because of shipping or something. Well, that's silly. Don't they have any (laughs) publishing or uh, printing facilities in Australia? Oh, you think, but... Yeah, but it's probably. I mean, how much probably have to reach out? Why do you got to ship a book? uh, Why do you got to ship a book anymore? I mean, seriously, (laughs) you got a printers and printing companies in Australia. And and same thing with movies these days. Yeah. Wow. All right. So that is the lead story. Do you have an opinion? Um, Technically, um, the whole um, shall we say the. Going to be the the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show or Pop Culture Kaboom in general. Uh, we'll be on the fence on this. We will not support one way or the other. So, um, I mean, I view us as more of a consumer of pop culture than a and and a news source of pop culture. And my opinion of journalism is you do not interject your personnel. And unless it's commentary. So we're commenting on it, but as far as the official stance, as far as pop culture kaboom is concerned, uh, we do not take a side in this. Uh, we're just going to stand back and watch the fallout, I guess. So, Well, you know, and then there's, there's, good, points, there's good points and bad points you know, on both sides. So. And, and, the, and it's it just is way big, too much to get into. It is, really is a big, with AI being the big thing, oh, yeah, that is definitely AI something and that they residuals, do get yeah. uh, you uh, know, Did you hear about out. that cast that they all got body scanned? Yeah, from um, um, uh, Snowpiercer. 
Yeah, I mm. was like, oof. Yeah, I don't know yeah. everything. They don't even know everything and all about like why you know. I mean, that's. I'm sorry. Eric, yeah. the, the reason what spawned that is Eric asked the question, what do you think our movie is a product or not? Uh, yes, it is a product. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't boycott any company or, you know, Pop Culture will not be involved in any kind of boycott of any particular company or brand for any reason. Um, so, and that's going to kind of fall and it falls into that those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bud Lights of the world or, you know, if everybody wants to boycott them, you know, the, the rest of the world can boycott them. I'm not going to... And if you want to do so personally, great, but it's no, no yeah, reason. Yeah, we don't yeah, have to bring it up yeah, on the show. Uh, Spencer, you know, what Spencer does when he's not associated with the show is, you know, Spencer has a life. The same with Rob. Same mm-hmm. do, so, so do I, but mine's... My ties are a little bit different since I kind of started this whole ball rolling. <laughs> um, so I kind of have the uh, um, more responsibility in regards to that. But, uh, yeah, I do consider movies and television a product. And, uh, yeah. Well, even even if it is a creative thing, it is still a product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which infuriates me about, you know, films lately is that everything has to be, you know, we talked about it on the show. That, you know, it's no longer... Um, your personal opinions about things being kind of, uh, 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 you know, buried in the in the uh, your messaging buried in the film. Mm-hmm. Your now your film is your messaging about mm-hmm. what, how you feel about whatever, and that's kind of gotten on my nerves with because I want to be entertained and I want to forget about all the problems of the world at least for two hours. <laughs> so you know. Same with video games. A lot of video games have gotten into that goofiness now. Everything now it's not watching, watching National Geographic. You know, you get to the end right. and all, and then you're slammed with how bad humanity is. It's like really, really. Oh uh, so. yeah, when I, I, a show I was watching when it actually had the main character lecture the audience, I I, tu- I tuned out. <laughs> yeah, comedy's gotten like that too. I, I've stopped stopped watching a lot of comedy because uh, of that. Oh, anyway, let's move on. Did you? Speaking of, oh, we're still in the the cinematic world. Did you see the size of the Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer IMAX? Oppenheimer? Yeah. No, Prince. No, they had to rebuild the Chinese uh, theater's film booth in order to store it in there. Wow, that huge, huh? It is gigantic. There's the picture of it. Is just immense. It's unbelievable. I didn't even know. Like, I knew, you knew IMAX was huge. You know the film because they have these giant rigs for it. But, but yeah, they but, have to like build special. Like they. Well, they yeah, were but this, talking. Wasn't this to, like one the first one that's like been done completely? Yeah, in IMAX. It was. It was completely in IMAX. Yeah. But it's so long. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that film. It's, it's like three hours yeah, long, and, or and he insisted like that. on doing it in film too, right? Yeah, so that, why another reason why it's so freaking big? Yeah, and... I was just like amazed. I was like, it's just sitting there on the floor, and I'm just like, oh my god, that's like. <laughs> so Eric asks a question. That's uh, kind of so. Here's a question: If movies are a product, would you feel cheated if you had to pay the cost of a tool every time you use it? The cost of a tool. Yeah, so basically, like, you know, if you buy a hammer, and you're buying a movie is like buying a hammer. Would you want to every time? Um, but I think we are tomato, tomato. of I mean, popcorn and it's little, soda. It's a little different. <laughs> well, you, well, you are, because every time you go to the movie theater, you buy a ticket. Yeah, well, if you choose to see it multiple times, but yeah. if you buy a hammer, you're buying the hammer... And it's yours. Yeah. If you're, but if you're buying the DVD of the movie, it's yours. You're not paying for it every right. time you watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not really sure what the correlation there is with a, the cost of a tool. Um, so 
Oscar winner John Ridley and Stefano Raphael have a new comic book series, Ministry of Compliance, coming from IDW Publishing. An alien invasion that asks if humanity's division and downfall is all an alien plot planned from the 80s. Hmm. For 37 years, humanity has been manipulated by an extraterrestrial organization called the Devolution. Utilizing 13 ministries, these cunning alien agents have infiltrated every aspect of humanity's culture, weakening civilization by strategically destabilizing it and flooding the planet with misinformation to accelerate chaos and and division among mankind. This has all been in an effort to take over and reshape the planet, and those these secretive saboteurs truly believe they are helping humanity in the long run. But what happens when the interstellar operatives begin to turn on each other and humanity is called in the, caught in the middle of the cosmic conflict? The Ministry of Compliance number one goes on sale on the 15th of November with, of course, multiple cover variants. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but of course. From IDW. Who'd have thought? Uh, you expect at least 10. So right. it's going to be a bank buster, that's for sure. It sounds like the plot to They Live too. Sounds like the plot to Secret Invasion. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> I was like, um, but hey, you know, if it works, v, it, works. it kind of sounds like V. It kind of sounds like all mm-hmm. this. <laughs> uh, uh, is uh, he tried to reword the question, but it's still not really mm-hmm. flying. Um, it was Axel Alfonso, former Marvel EIC. I have no idea what editor in chief. Oh, uh, who wrote about the Punisher No More finale, tweeting. I'd say R.I.P. Frank Castle, but it's pretty clear he's going to hell. I had years of enjoyment editing the ultimate anti-hero, and I'm sad to see him go out like this. It's not like he died. Of course, he just went to Weird World, fighting the fight away from the eyes of Marvel superheroes. But now he's back, or rather, someone is. Earlier this week, Marvel tweeted out art by Rod Royce saying, Who is the Punisher? All will be revealed at the Marvel Heroes, Hulks, and Super Soldiers panel at Marvel's San Diego Comic-Con. During the Punisher No More series, we had seen the Punisher allied with the hand to use them as a tool, speaking of tools, uh, to take down the worst people in the world, while the hand is using the Punisher to be its fist. For as yet unseen purposes, it has also been revealed that the Hand were keeping an eye on Frank Castle long before he went to war and long before he became the Punisher. Because even as a child, Frank Castle was committing such works of lethal justice in his neighborhood. Hmm. Whatever that means. (laughs) So I sent you guys the uh, uh, photo that they uh, tweeted out. Looking at it as we speak. And uh, very high-tech looking, uh, Mm -hmm. Frank Castle. Looks like he's got Mm -hmm. alien-type ray guns now instead of the usual uh, um, Uzis and whatever standard weaponry you could find in a uh, gun shop. Yeah, trying to make it more kid-friendly, I guess. Uh, Yeah, okay. Um, (laughs) Well, you know... That's how they did it in uh, the 90s with the cartoons. All the, all the cops and everything had laser guns. That is true. But I, I did notice, and, and what really took threw me back about the whole picture is, because it's a silhouette, uh, so we don't know mm-hmm. who it is right. exactly. Yeah, unless, the guy has a, unless the guy has a big question mark for a face, yes. Um, which he might. You never know. It is a comic book. <laughs> it's a comic book. Um, but could the, be his new mask. <laughs> I, I could not help but notice that the um, skull um, armor plating um, that he has on uh, the bulletproof vest that he's wearing now, mm-hmm. uh, why, why is there a big pause 
symbol in the middle of the chest to be the nose. It looks like a yeah. pause. It just looks like if you go up and you press, it'll turn into a triangle, Oop. you know, and it'll and it'll start showing you a movie. Um, I, I I just don't get it. Yeah, they're they're trying so hard to get away from the skull just because cops like it, and they they've they first they tried to give it a demon horns and stuff. Oh, that and looked I, just yeah. silly. Too. And, and now they're really going did. with uh, basically a negative space skull where the where the the holes are white and mm-hmm. and everything else, and it's just not working. It's not, especially with a pause button in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's not what a skull's nose bone looks like. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, and, and and even if that was what they were going for, why is that the only part that looks, um, you know, so, uh, all, uh, uh, you know, like a pause button? I mean, uh, well, uh, <laughs> as just shapes, or, or you're supposed to plug your iPhone in there. I mean, that's the other only other option. You know, you can plug electrical appliances into his chest, like like a kind of weird. Well, yeah, Iron because Man. Uh, because the eyes, you know, they kind of look like eyes, but then they kind of go off. And don't end on the outside. It's like yeah, it's very goofy. Goofy. Yeah, it's just it doesn't work. I wish it made sense, but it don't. Uh, three weeks ago, Bleeding Cool reported news regarding the DC Comics Night Terrors comic books that were meant to come with special neon cardstock covers and an extra two dollars on a cover price, which I shared with you. Uh, Bleeding Cool was told that rather than the traditional neon inks that people might be expected, these have had some advanced copies tell us that they look like plain red, blue, yellow recoloring <laughs> instead of what collectors would deem a real neon ink treatment, which is foily. Foily is so uh, such a weird word. Yes. Foily? Foily. Aluminum that to me seems shiny, not like neon. Foily. Uh, the yellow may stand out in the dark, but it's not near any glow effect for a, a comic price to more than a, than a cardstock. This seems like... More. This seems to look more like a misprint. Well, that seems to be what DC Comics is treating it as. DC Comics has now issued a recall notice for copies of Night Terror's number one neon cover variants for a misprint. The word is that the brown color on the cover, mm, touch brown color, uh, should have been a green, which dampened the all-over neon effect. Uh, this wouldn't have been the first time a comic book publisher pu- comic book publishes big idea of a new comic book a variant that hasn't played out as well in reality. Uh, we all remember Marvel's legacy variant covers that was m- was much hyped but really didn't work. So what happens? Well, obviously comic book stores uh, put the prices up and have sold copies on eBay for up to twenty five dollars. Hmm, of course. Maybe you should do the same. <laughs> and we still got a lot of Pop Culture Kaboom radio show for you. Coming up is going to be a Tony Sanfilippo of Filippo's Horrible Reviews to go over movies. Also, we have our big interview with Damon Hillen. He is a uh, film producer in Hollywood with uh, Benetton Films. And we'll be talking with him later in the show as well. So don't go anywhere. More Pop Culture Kaboom right after this. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. And if you missed any part of the show tonight, you can always go back tomorrow and check it out on the KNVC 95.1 FM archives. Just look up Pop Culture Kaboom and you can find it there. Um, Eric's still going on about that. Hmm. Anyway, that's a. I don't know if we're ever going to see eye to eye on that, Eric. 
from the comic books being released July 19th. At least here I highlight the number one issues and or major story or anniversary issues that are being released because those are the ones that have the most value interest to collectors and investors. Don't base your buying decisions solely on my opinion. It, after all, is only my opinion to keep the list to a minimum. I do not include in it trade paperbacks, graphic novel collections, hardcover, softcover volumes, or reprints. If you are an independent comic book company or creator and you have something coming out in the next week or month or so, please let me know immediately by sending me an email at popculturekaboom at gmail.com put upcoming comics in the subject line and include in the body of the email the publisher's name the title of the book or books when the book or books will be coming out and their issue numbers so i can add your book or books in the future first up black mask studios with probably the longest name for a comic book this week uh-oh destiny ny my girlfriend broke up with me so now i run the mystical mafia number one with a wallet busting six cover variants hmm. Interesting. Um, I can't say this one on the air. Uh, Bliss on Tap with Blank Kicker and Bullseye, number one of three. It starts with an S, ends with a T. Oh, gotcha. um, hmm. If that uh, mm-hmm. paints the image for you. Boom Studios, Power Rangers Unlimited Hyperforce, number one with four cover variants. DC Comics has a slew of books coming out. Uh, Harley Quinn, Black plus White plus Red-er, number one of six with a wallet-busting six cover variants. Hawk Girl, number one of six, with a wallet busting five cover variants. Night Terrors Catwoman, number one of two, with six cover variants. Night Terrors Nightwing, number one of two, with six cover variants. Night Terrors Punchline, number one of two, with six cover variants. Night Terrors Superman, number one of two, with six cover variants. Night Terrors Wonder Woman, number one of two, with six cover variants. Tales of the Titans. I thought I was going to say Night Terrors, didn't you? Number yeah, one of four <laughs> with five Again, cover yeah. variants. All right, guys. Uh-oh. Now, here's a little contest I like to have. Okay. As you guys see, All right. this is uh, just for Spencer and Rob's edification. Uh, the page is blank. I have not written it down. Yes. Now, Dynamite Entertainment. <laughs> Sorry. Very typical of Dynamite Entertainment to put an... Uh, an erroneously huge amount of um, cover variants out mm-hmm. for their books. Um, usually when we get to this, it's kind of like, uh, uh, almost, you guys are like really stretching it here, aren't you? Like you're, you guys are seriously contemplating <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> already. Uh, now, I, I like to make a little contest of it. Um, and uh, so there's no real good movie coming out in the month of July. But next month, there are some really doozy movies that... Um, we will be going to. Um, I, of course, pay for the movies that you that I take you guys to. But if you can guess the number of cover variants from Dynamite Entertainment for this book this week, I will also pay for your concessions. All right. <laughs> Here's another caveat to that. If you are within two. Oh, so did okay, you so change it's the not rules? Gonna, it's not going to be just – it doesn't have to be just right on this time. No. Yeah, okay, trust okay, me. Okay. If it's within two – Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So it is Dynamite Entertainment has Red Sonia Volume 7, number one, with Spencer. Uh, I'm going to go with 22. Rob? 31. Wow. Rob was closest. 
Wow. But he was off by 10. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a bank-busting 41 you're cover barrel. kidding me. I, I figured it was going to be because you were giving us the two leeway, so that's why I was like 31. Well, yeah, like, yeah. I couldn't imagine anything more than like 35. Yeah, I, I, thought he was, I, thought he, I thought he might have been head-faking us, so it's like, because I was contemplating, okay, so there's always been a kind of the mid-20s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, my original but, yeah. guess was going to be like 24, and then when he said that, I was yeah. like, oh, no, okay, let me go higher. Now, now that's yeah. why I said it, because it's yeah. like... Well, you, yeah, but I thought he was head-faking us, so, uh, so I was just going to... I was like, I'll just that's stick ridiculous. with my answer. That, that's 41? ridiculous. I'm not making it. I don't even think... No, no I believe you. Is there even a comic book shop able to even get that many? I mean... No. That, thank you. Like... <laughs> I, none that... Not even in New York. I that, don't think. The, I, yeah, that's... I, I mean, because uh, for those who don't know what a cover variant is, usually they're an incentive for a comic book shop to buy more. Mm-hmm. So there's a... Uh, you get this one different cover variant if you buy 25. They're called a 1 in 25. Then it goes up from there. A 1 in 50, a 1 in 75, a 1 in 100, 1 in 150. 50 um what was that one that they were ridiculous uh um because it was some had to do with like magic they had to order or 500 to get the first variant or yeah something. or and yeah. there's there the one that was a they had to order 666 because yeah, yeah. it was some weird kind yeah. of like magic thing or something yeah. um but yeah 41 cover variants so wowzers sorry guys but better luck next time <laughs> yeah well yeah it's like when you said rob was the closest i'm like oh and it's like and then it's like off by 10 i'm like what? <laughs> yeah, that's unreal. Yeah, unreal. Yeah, oh, I was man. expecting one of you guys to throw out a 39. I really was. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I seriously thought that was coming. All right. Fantagraphics books. Building Buildings are barking. <laughs> Diane Noman in memoriam. Number one. I have no idea if I even came close. Headless Shakespeare Press has Pool Boys. Number one. I don't even want to know. <laughs> IDW Publishing has Lock and Key. Welcome to Lovecraft. Ooh. Number one. 15th anniversary edition with a wallet busting seven cover variants. Hmm. Star Trek Day of Blood. Number one with a wallet busting eight cover variants. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Best of Kirai. Number one. And in uh, running for the second longest uh, title of the week, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin Lost Day Special Number One One Shot with a wallet busting <laughs> six cover variants. Image Comics has Big Game Number One of Five with seven cover variants. Impact Winter Rook Number One One Shot. Noctura Nemesis Special Number One One Shot with three cover variants. Radiant Black Number 25. With two cover variants, Scraper, number one of six, with three cover variants, Time Before Time, number 25, with two cover variants, Wanted, number one, special 20th anniversary edition, Locust Magazine has Locust Magazine, number 750, volume 91, number one, Marvel Comics has Blade, number one, with a bank-busting 11 cover variants, Moon Knight, City of the Dead, number one of five, with a wall of busting six cover variants. Robert at Dreamwell Comics, if you're listening, if you could please put one aside for me. Star Wars <laughs> Return of the Jedi, The Rebellion, number one, with a wall of busting five cover variants. Titan Comics has Nouns Nowntown, <laughs> number one of six, with two cover variants. I do not make this stuff up. Is it like adverb, adjective, noun? Yes, okay. nouns. Literally, <laughs> nouns. Noun, noun town. Nouns, in, and in a space, nouns. then noun town. Okay. Huh. Unin Entertainment has Street Fighter Swimsuit Special 2023, Brown Chicken Brown Cow, 
with four cover variants. Are they playing volleyball? <laughs> probably. Oh, I'm sure there's one, there's one in there, yes. Yeah, the volleyball for sure. Um, probably laying on a blanket, laying in a beach chair. <laughs> oh, yeah, laying on a beach Glasses, somewhere. Glasses, you know, yeah. sunglasses. And Splashing in the waves, I'm yeah. sure is one. What, yeah. what other beach activities are there? Throwing frisbees or whatever. I don't know what they do on the yeah. beach anymore. Uh, Xenoscope Entertainment, uh, Bell Ancient Instincts, number one, one shot with four cover variants, and Van Helsing, Hell to Pay, number one, one shot with four cover variants. Yes, we went to France for that. <laughs> Crunchyroll Games took time today to reveal their full lineup of activities happening at Evo 2023 in Las Vegas. From August 4th through the 6th, the company will partner with the eSports event to bring together the worlds of anime and eSports tournaments through multiple hit series, DJ performances, games, special guest appearances, and other activities they have planned. Right now, the big item the company is bringing with them, the Street Fighter Duel, which is only available in select territories, as they'll let you try out the game and fight with over 40 fan-favorite fighters from across the fighting game series. At the heart of Crunchyroll's presence at Evo is its interactive booth, uh, hashtag K1, uh, which serves as a hub for fans to engage with popular anime touch points, including anime, games, music, and merchandise. The Crunchyroll booth is designed to celebrate the captivating visuals and sounds from popular anime, transporting visitors into other worlds. For the first time at Evo, Crunchyroll merchandise will be available. Nice. I didn't even know they had merchandise, quite honestly. So, well, everybody has merchandise these days. It's very true. Good mm -hmm. point. Maybe we need some Pop Culture Kaboom merchandise. Right. What do you guys think? Would you like to uh, wear sport? Would you sport any Pop Culture Kaboom, anything that says Pop Culture Kaboom on it? Let me know. So, um, Eric's, Eric's guess was uh, 29 covers, by the way. So, no. <laughs> less than Rob, more than Spencer, but still nowhere close. <laughs> She's like halfway there. That's, that was, that's how ridiculous 41 is. But anyway. Oof. Walmart con is coming this week. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> yes, Walmart has a con and Hasbro has revealed yet another exclusive is joining the ranks of their releases coming to life from Marvel Comics. Six Arms sag Saga Spider-Man is back and ready to take on the power of Morbius. It's Morbin time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, this set is more of a two-pack re-release more than anything, uh, as these characters already have. Marvel Legends releases Morbius will have the same accessories as his previous debut with two capes and a dirty deco. Ooh, dirty deco? That's what it says, dirty deco. I'm... I don't want to know. Yeah, right? So Spider-Man seems to be nicely sculpted that this time around, and we can imagine his extra arms are similar to the X-Men Retro Spiral uh, that arrived last year. Uh, this is a nice set for Spider-Man fans who have not acquired these figures yet. Walmart Con kicks off on July 18th, and this set will be available for pre-order then with a fall 2023 release. So pre-ordered if you absolutely have to have it. I don't see very many people doing that, though. I just received a text message and affirmative votes for uh, Pop Culture Kaboom merchandise. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. Okay. I will uh, talk to the powers that be. Wasn't yeah. that you, Jimmy? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hold on. Robert sent a text. Um, I, Moon Knight City of the Dead, number one. I got it. Yay! Yay! How many variants of that did I say? <laughs> uh, you didn't. Oh, then there might not be any. So never mind. <laughs> uh, well, you have a copy. You can tell them. 
uh, Robert, give him every variant you can find. Hey, I'm, I don't give, mind that. Hey, get him all 41 of the Red Sonyas while you're at it. No. <laughs> no. I'd have to mortgage my house for that. Uh, Kabam revealed they'll be throwing their own esports tournament for Marvel Contested Champions with the Battle Realm Brawl. This will be a massive event in which they are looking to have the best of the best compete in the game, eventually whittling it down to the top eight players who will compete in person this October in Vancouver, British Columbia, just shy of the game's 10th anniversary. For those who can't attend, they will also be broadcasting it on Twitch, just so you know. Uh, we have more details about the event, uh, and uh, as you check, can check out the website to find out how to qualify and compete. Uh, to kick off the Battle, Battle Realm Brawl competition, Gabam will begin a search starting August 9th through September 6th for the greatest summoner in the contest. I have no idea. I've never played the game, so I'm not exactly yeah. sure what the summoner is. Players competing in the Gladiator Circuit of Battleground Season 10 will compete to qualify for the Battle Realm Brawl, where the top eight qualifying players on the circuit's leaderboard will be selected to win a trip in October to the live event taking place in Vancouver, Canada. Those top eight qualifying players will compete in a single elimination brackets for the quarterfinals, which will be on October 2nd, and then semifinals October 21st. The finals will take place on the evening of October 21st in a best-of-five match finals competition to determine the one true winner of the 2023 Battle Realm Brawl. In addition, this November will see Kabam introduce a brand-new original champion to the contest. The Battle Realm Brawler's top four players will be the first to get this brand-new champion and get more exclusive rewards. Fans attending the October 20th through the 21st in Vancouver can catch all of the action live. Stuff kept popping up and didn't went away. What What is going on with my computer? Hmm. Yeah, I saw these little pop-ups come up. Oh, there they are. <laughs> now I know what it was about. Yeah. And uh, not as cool right. as you were hoping they would be. What is it? Um, no, nothing I can share with share with the audience, so. Yeah. Uh, here on the uh, here are the cons and events I was able to find going on worldwide the week of July 17th through July 23rd. I cannot stress enough that if you do not go to these events, they will stop happening or will not return to your area. So if you're thinking, I'll go next week, next month, next year, they might not happen near you ever again, period. If one or more of these are near you, go check them out. And if they are not, check your local game, hobby, and comic book shops for great events going on in your area. If you have or know of a pop culture event coming up in your area within the next couple of months I, that I can add to this list, please contact me at popculturekaboom at gmail.com. Put an upcoming event in the subject line and in the body of the email. Include the name of the event, the day, and or dates that will be running and where it will be taking place so I can add it to my upcoming lists. I don't know why I turned into a sprinkler. Uh, Games for Change Festival 2023 will be happening July 18th through the 20th at the Times Center in New York, New York. July 19th through the 23rd is Historicon 2023 at the Lancaster County Convention Center in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. July 20th through the 23rd is the Comic-Con International San Diego, a.k.a. the... San Diego Comic Con at the San Diego Convention Center in San Diego, California. And in case you got confused where it would be at with all the San Diego's being thrown around. <laughs> July 20th through the 23rd is Connecticut 2023 at the Connecticut Convention Center in Hartford, Connecticut. July 20th through the 23rd is Teco 2023 at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
I think this is on the wrong con list. Uh, July 21st through the 22nd is fling.con. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> fling.con. Wow. I know. Uh, I, I thought this was a family show. I I did not include pictures. At the Columbus <laughs> Cub, Club, mm, I'm really now I'm wondering. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, New Brunsfels, Texas. Oh, maybe not. It's Texas. <laughs> <laughs> July 21st through the 22nd is London Furs Summer Weekend 2023 at the Jewel of London, Tank and Paddle Minster Court in London, UK. And please take this one, Spencer. And in uh, July 21st through 23rd is Anime Messe Babelsberg 2023 in Film Park Babelsberg, Potsdam, Germany. Thank you, sir. I would not have been able to get that. July 21st through the 23rd is Avcon 2023 at the Adeline Convention Center in Adeline, South Australia, Australia. In case you were confused on where South Australia was. July 21st through the 23rd is Confluence 2023 at the Sheraton Pittsburgh Airport Hotel in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And please take this one too, sir. And July 21st through 23rd is Expo Taku Tarragona. In Palo Ferrari del Congreso de Tarragona in Tarragona, Spain. If you know where, if you're in Spain, you know what he's talking about. If you're not, I don't either. If I didn't slaughter the pronunciation, I think uh, I was pretty close. Yeah, I, I closer than I would have been. All right, it is now the top of the hour, seven o'clock. It is ninety-four degrees and partly sunny in northern Nevada, and we will be back with more Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show after this. So don't go anywhere. The Nevada Artists Association presents the Spirit of America show through July 28th at their gallery. 57 local artists submitted 137 entries for judging in the show. The gallery is open and free to the public Tuesday through Sunday from 12 noon to 4 p.m. and is located at 449 West King Street in Carson City, right next to the Brewery Arts Center. So go check it out. Yeah. I don't know why I had to do that. <laughs> anyway, so um, Saturday, July 8th, uh, you and Spencer and I went to the Silver Age Comic Con. Yeah, a in, lot of fun. At the uh, Reno Sparks Convention Centaur. Um, and I was immediately blown away because it was packed. Yeah, uh, all day. I mean, did there you was go no to the uh, the one last year? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, you should have. <laughs> oh. Why? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um so as uh, last year was so packed in the aisles because they weren't. It was their first year in the Reno area. They, I think they were at the uh, um, was it the Circus Circus or the Circus Circus? Yes. Uh, so they were at the Circus Circus Hotel Casino in their convention area down down in the basement, and um, so they had the space. Um, they had a you know pretty, it was a pretty well set up for a small con because they didn't. Did, I guess they didn't know what to expect. And it was so packed, I had absolutely no room to do any video inter- interviews. Wow. I could not set yeah. up the camera. It was, somebody would have ran into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year, they were at the Reno Sparks Convention Center. Nice. They had Hall 5, uh, which is a larger hall, um, a much larger space than they had last year. I mean, like much, three yeah. times larger. Nice. Um, and which is a good thing because they had three times the crowd that they did last year. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, it was, well, there good. was no real downtime. I mean, there was a little bit slower times, but no time there it was, like, dead. Well, I remember, like, when we were discussing it, like, they had a lot of stuff going on. Oh, like, yeah. You had to, like, make some, like, serious choices. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure next year it's going to be at least two days. Oh, yeah. I, I it's got, They got to do something because if it, any, if, the, and people were happy 
Mm-hmm. Um, they were enthusiastic. Oh, good. Um, and uh, we're as uh, Spencer and I were talking earlier, there was tons of cosplayers oh, there, yeah. um, lots of costume cosplayers, and really primo, excellent cosplay um, attire too. Uh, there was a lot of them that, and not even just impressive. professionals. I mean, there were just there were just ones that were just you know everyday people who went in. But a very impressive yeah. um, cosplays. Um, all of the um, guests that were there, um, every, everyone from uh, Jackie Lostra to uh, um, a lot of the artists for, that are currently working on um, uh, Floyd um, Sumner. Uh, I think as uh, Floyd Floydman Sumner, uh, he was there. He does the uh, garbage pail kids. Okay, mm-hmm. um, he was there. Um, all, all of the art from the artists to the special guests, everybody was phenomenal. They that were nice. all very friendly, approachable. Um, you can go up and you know ask them anything, and they would answer it. So. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to get my my daughter to be a, a more of a nerd. You know, because mm-hmm. I, I I need her to be not popular. Because <laughs> no, but uh, the the only way I was able to talk her into coming and actually coming, she, nothing interested her until she saw there were two actresses from the movie Scream. Really, and she went and visited, and they fell in love with her. <laughs> she she hung out with them, and they talked and everything all day. Wow. Yeah, I noticed she was there when I was interviewing mm-hmm. um, Nancy and and Nancy uh, Ritter, mm-hmm. and or Nancy Ann Ritter. I'm sorry, got dyslexic there with her name. Um, and so I noticed that she was there. So it was it was a fun time. Um, if you didn't go, I'm sorry. You should have. But I, I will I, have. It was, a, video it was at a competition I mean, I, in Nebraska. I'm I know. Sorry. I know. <laughs> it's like I, I had a table, so I wasn't able to to see everything. But everything I did see was awesome. It was uh, the line. Have you ever been to the Reno Sparks Convention mm-hmm. Center? Yeah. I am not kidding you. Um, Thirty minutes after they opened. Thirty minutes after they opened, the line went from the entrance door of Hall Five. All the way <laughs> started wrapping around because it reached the other side of the convention center wow. and started wrapping. That's oh. how many people were there. I, I think a, a, a rough guesstimate was like 10,000 people came through. Wow. So that that's very impressive. Um, hopefully that means that t- next year, uh, Silver Age Comic Con will be back. They'll be um, doing some more impressive stuff, I'm sure. Um, we'll be in contact with a Colossus Girl Entertainment. Um, and as they announce it, it will be on the Pop Culture Kaboom Facebook news feed. So make sure at the very least, you are, if you're on Facebook, you like or follow the Pop Culture Kaboom on the Facebook so that you can be kept advised as to what is going on with Silver Age Comic Con 2024. Um, do we want to go back to finish this list of cons or no? Well, do we have anything else that, that we need to, anything hot off the presses that we need to cover before that? Oh, yeah, there's always stuff, but mm. <laughs> all right, I'll just save that list for later uh, because there's a couple more on there. Uh, let me get back to the news. All right, in the news. So in what would be a big story any other week, Microsoft has been trying to buy Activision mm-hmm. Blizzard since mm-hmm. January 18th of 2022, yeah. but the Federal Trade Commission has had a few things to say about it, namely that the merger would harm cross-platform cloud systems and be a detriment to consoles, largely on the fate of the popular uh, FPS Call of Duty. Considering that Xbox is Microsoft's own console, the merger could mean games that were once available across platforms could be exclusive to Xbox and its cloud server, 
The FTC filed an injunction keeping Microsoft in a legal limbo since, in a shocking turn of events, Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley has ruled in favor of Microsoft. Microsoft's acquisition of Activision has been described as the largest in tech history. Well, yeah, one of the FTC's biggest arguments was that that, that to try and prove that they were be, be harmful to competition was to say that the Switch was not competition in the console wars. Mm-hmm. But, so their but, argument but, to be that they'd be harmful to competition is to say that another brand was not competition? Yeah. And so that's what the judge threw out, and that's why Microsoft won. Yeah. And I think the FTC no is sense. still I think the FTC is still trying to pull stuff to try and at least slow it down. It deserves scrutiny. That scrutiny has paid off. Microsoft has committed in writing, in public, and in court to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for 10 years on parity with Xbox. Corley said in her ruling, it made an argument with Nintendo to bring Call of Duty to Switch, and it entered argument several arguments to, for the first time, bringing Activision's content to several cloud gaming services. This court's responsibility in this case is narrow. It is, it is to decide if, notwithstanding, notwithstanding these current circumstances, the merger should be halted, perhaps even terminated, pending re- resolution of the FTC FTC administrative action for the reasons explained the court finds that the the fines the ftc has not shown a likelihood it will prevail on its claim this particular vertical merger in this specific industry may subsid, subsid, substantially lessen competition right. to the contrary the record evidence points to more consumer access to call of duty and other activation content the motion for a preliminary injunction is therefore denied <laughs> Despite the ruling, the FTC isn't finished. The FTC said it was appealing Corley's decision to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. However, in an order issued Thursday, Corley denied the FTC's motion to put Microsoft's purchase of Activision on hold while the appeal moves forward. <laughs> so there and I you I think are. that's in part because the European unions have already like okayed it as well. I was just about to get to that too. Uh, Microsoft and Activision had previously indicated that a deadline of July 18th had been set to complete the acquisition. There's also the matter of the UK regulator and the CMA competition and markets administrative authority who put a block on Microsoft's actual acquisition in April for similar reasons to the FTC. But Microsoft is looking for a means of circumventing the block altogether, which incidentally is what pushed the FTC to file an injunction in the first place. Both the CMA and Microsoft have amicably put their legal battle on hold to try and negotiate a way forward concerning cloud systems. Apparently, European regulators have given the go-ahead, hence Microsoft's ability to simply go around the CMA. It's a sticky wicket, to be sure, and it seems like all parties will have to navigate it carefully. Um, I've got no opinion of it. Um, You know, if Microsoft does... You know, buy but, Activision. Well, one of the things that was irritating is the FTC kept saying that it's going to cause exclusives. It's going to cause exclusives, and they kept bringing in Sony. Sony has the most exclusives of anything. Like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. I know. They have exclusives on like characters in other like content that's shared across other consoles. So it's like, to me, it was just mind boggling that they were even allowed to like keep bringing that up. Yeah, yeah, it's silly. Um, do you have an opinion on that, Spencer? No, just uh, anything that's bad for Activision, I'm I'm down for. If, if, wow, if, 
I do not like Activision. See, I grew up on Activision. <laughs> I know, games oh, no, for, no, no, but <laughs> yeah, but Activision, they have become the poster child for microtransactions. But they've uh, slowed that down a lot. So because of that, not not by choice. They they slowed it down because of legal. No, problems. I know, but wow. like they, you know, they still produce. I mean, they, I I still like a lot of their. Titles. Yeah, but uh, I'm a big Destiny fan, and Activision used to be involved with Destiny. And the reason that so much, that Destiny got so much hate at first was because of everything that Activision wanted them to add, like the microtransactions. Mm. And, uh, goofy, goofy! Remember when you just put a game cartridge in and you played the game? Yeah, and, and you had. And <laughs> you still and, can't though. Even if you buy one, it has to get updated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember when you used to be able to just. Buy a game and plug it in and put the cartridge well, in. And sometimes you did go. have to blow in it to make it work. Yeah, but still. It was yours. You didn't have the microtransaction. <laughs> and you had code, cheat codes. Cheat yeah, codes were great. Cheat codes were great, yeah. Oh, yeah. Konami code. Anyway. Uh, Free, Free League Publishing revealed this week they have two new expansions on the way, on the way later this year for Blade Runner, the role-playing game. The team revealed that they will be releasing the Fiery Angels Deluxe Case File Module as well as they, as they and the Replicant Rep- Rebellion Sourcebook. The first to be revealed something sometime between uh, quarter t- three and four of 2023, available for pre-order, uh, while the second will be coming out in early 2024. The first release called Case File Number 2 Fiery Angels follows the same deluxe format and packaging as the award-winning Case File Number 01 Electric Dreams, included in the Blade Runner RPG starter set. Case file number two, Fiery Angels, is a boxed set featuring a new thrilling investigation scenario and a host of in-world handouts, photos, maps, and more. This new investigation starts off with the Blade Runners assigned to question a suspect arrested while trying to infiltrate the Wallace Corporation memory vaults. The case leads the team down a perilous path that explores the boundaries of replicant technology and its consequences. The player characters need to contend with an array of physical, mental, and moral challenges. The Fiery Angels is a standalone adventure. Users who have played Case File Number 1, Electric Dreams, will experience a continuation of story elements from the narrative. Uh, the second, the big game-changer release, literally, is Blade Runner, the role-playing game Replicant Rebellion. Replicant Rebellion expands the scope of the core game, allowing players to join the ranks of the Replicant Underground in the Los Angeles of 2037. The characters are an independent cell loosely organized under Freja Sengpour's leadership and undertake a variety of operations from helping fugitive Nexus 8 replicants elude capture to sabotaging installations of the replicant industry. Hmm. Interesting. Well, yeah, you know, I, I always find it really interesting when they have all this futuristic stuff that's within our lifetime, and when it actually gets to that point, it's like, oh, we gotta we have to redcon it now because we're not anywhere near that kind of technology. Remember that commercial with Cisco? Uh, it, it's the year 2020. Where's my flying car? I want my flying car. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's exactly what he's talking about right there. Exactly, yes. (laughs) Bandai has released the new Dragon Ball Super Card Game expansion. Early promotional material suggests that this set was themed to resurgence with the word used as a proper noun. During that time, we were going with the strong hint, I am so bad at the English language, I have no idea what a proper noun is. (laughs) Proper noun's a name. 
Ah, uh, during that time, we were going to thank you, uh, going with the strong hint that the set would be called Zenkai Series Resurgence. However, it was later confirmed that the set would actually be officially titled Zenkai Series Wild Resurgence. This is the fourth expansion of Zenkai Series and is overall the 21st main series Dragon Ball Super Card game set. The set does include a god rare for the first time since the board... Bardock GDR from September 2022's Dawn of the Z Legends. We can also confirm some of the set's focuses as the Golden Freja Saga from Dragon Ball Super, the first Z-Gen-era movie, Dead Zone, which featured Garlic Jr. Garlic? Yeah, uh, it's a theme with the names in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> They're named after spices? Well, different foods like Vegeta's vegetable, uh, Goku's Saiyan name is Kakarot, which is basically just a play off of carrot. <laughs> it's a carrot? Yeah. <laughs> it explains his haircut. That it does. That it does. Yeah, so th- it's kind of a theme. And then, there, you know, there's uh, another another uh, Saiyan named Cauliflower. Yeah. Okay, I can only assume that oh, means man. cauliflower. Yes. Uh, the Baby Saga from GT and the Cell Games. Now, now that we have fully spotlighted the cards in, Zenka ser- in the Zenkai series, Wild Resurgence, we look ahead at the future of Dragon Ball Super Card Games release schedule as news comes out about an upcoming God Rare. God Rare cards are so rare that it is impossible to trace how they will be seated in boxes. For example, there are five Super Rare cards and two Special Rares in, in a booster box. Now, there are 12 booster boxes in a booster case, and two of those booster boxes will have a secret rare card. However, there is not a guarantee a god rare per box, which is why its level of rarity is impossible to track. Hmm. Well, still not as bad as the one ring card. No. <laughs> no, I, I, I still wonder what exactly happened with that, um, if they're going to be a... You know, you know, the guy had it graded and all, but I don't know if he has a buyer or if it was that, you know, that um, store in Spain that offered to $2 million. And, uh, and first the patilla. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and the food. Um, <laughs> I, I, but I, what bothered me about that article, now that I think about it, it just said $2 million, but it didn't say what. Like euros, dollars. Yeah, or, or just yeah. the Spanish, uh, whatever currency they use in Spain, which is practically useless. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, euros. I hope. I thought they. I thought they used euros. Um. They, oh. Well, they, they they still have their own internal currency too. But the, but the euros are generally the, the more recognized. Accepted. But but they still have their national currencies. Yeah, kind of like uh, right now, Nevada has the uh, uh, gold backs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of those. Yep. So you know, some stuff like that. You know, so. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Ah, uh, so let's. Uh, well, we only got what about a minute left. No, not we even, don't. We don't even, even got a minute left. All right. So with <laughs> that being said, um, when we get back, it'll be movie time with Mister Tony Zanfilippo. So don't go anywhere. We also still got our big interview with Damon Hillen, uh, talking about his latest film, The Flood, which is out in theaters right now. If you want to go and watch it, yes, we did review it last week. No, oh. I'm not going to tell you what we said about it. Uh, oh, yeah, we still need to get Rob's opinion on it in front of him too. I would say in front of Damon, we'll get Rob's opinion. <laughs> oh my. Okay. When we get back, more pop culture Kaboom radio show. So don't go anywhere. Ah, welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. 
Each week, the film powers that be release dozens of movies, some of which you will never hear about, except yeah. Woo. Each week's upcoming releases are carefully picked over from Rotten Tomatoes, and up to five films are selected from genres that I would watch, and those genres are action, adventure, horror, science fiction, anime, or fantasy, and that is pretty much it. Thank you. Hmm. <laughs> Get my snacks. <laughs> Very important. Tony, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Uh, yeah, can now. I, I was just, okay, just getting a little scared because right. you were so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, during the break while I was waiting, there was a lot of weird reaper feedback. Where it's oh. like, do, do, do. So I was like, uh, huh. am I still connected? Am I still? <laughs> so hey, Doritos had a lot of interference on microphones, apparently. I, I guess so. Yeah. It was our sci fi yeah. intrigue. Yeah, sci fi intro. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, that was good. No, I'm happy to be here, guys. I'm here. <laughs> With that in mind, we sit through some of the most hideous trailers ever made, and we'll read you the synopsis of each film, then give you our not so humble opinions. Bear in mind, we are not professional movie critics. We're just overly opinionated blowhards. But Mr. Tony Sanfilippo, Filippo's horrible reviews is. You can catch all of Tony Sanfilippo's reviews of concerts, television shows, and movies at Filippo's Horrible Reviews on the Facebook. Um, and, uh, Tony, you just recently went and saw the um, Mission Impossible 7, 9, whatever it is, um, part yeah, one. Seven, seven, <laughs> seven million, yeah, yeah, part 7,952. And gave it a oh, rare yeah. 10 out of 10. Uh, it was awesome, man. It was action-packed, great action. There was, like, maybe a, a spot in the middle where it lagged a smidge, but uh, that's just nitpicking. It was, it was really enjoyable. Maybe it's just because the last, like, previous, like, four to five movies I've seen in theaters have just been kind of, eh, not bad, <laughs> but, you know, just ho-hum. Nothing that's been like, wow. You know, and I didn't expect much of Mission Impossible. I knew what to what to expect out of it, and it was great. It was like the other ones. I really enjoy those movies. They always... I seem to watch them, and then I get like really pumped up after I watch it. Like, man, that was a great action movie. It was, it was, it was good. The stunts are cool to watch, and yeah, it was very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah good right. adrenaline surge there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, if you want to uh, take Tony's recommendation, go and see Mission Impossible Seven: Dead Reckoning Part One. Very long title. Uh, here on the Pop Culture yeah. Boom Radio Show, we do utilize a carefully crafted and patented pop culture pop culture movie rating system if it is worth seeing in a theater at full price it is a good not a great at that is to be determined by you if you choose to see it in a theater if it seems worth watching in a theater as a matinee or in your town's cheap theater it is a so-so if it seems worth uh, seeing on a streaming service or as a rental or however you choose to watch a film while avoiding social interaction it is a blah and if it is deemed so awful you should wait for it to be on public television it is considered a touch brown because the FCC regulations say we can't use profanity. Uh, so we got five movies again this week. Five real uh, winners and in a game of, them of life. In, none of them in the uh, mystery suspense genre. No, not at all. <laughs> Thankfully. Uh, so why don't we... Uh, I don't, let me see. What's a good one to start off here with? Uh, I'm going to start off with Cobweb. No, Cobweb. So, eight-year-old Peter is plagued by a mysterious constant tap rapping on his window. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, that was a ground on his chamber door. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> tap from inside his bedroom wall, a tapping that his parents insist is all in his imagination. As Peter's fear intensifies, he believes that his parents could be hiding a terrible, dangerous secret and questions their trust. And for a child, 
What could be more frightening than that? Well, maybe a horror movie called Cobweb that has nothing to do with spiders nor any connection to any in an intricately laid trap. But what the, this film's trailer does give you is a, another entry into the jump scare drinking game. Woo! <laughs> in, a weird, in a weird, the parents never believe the child's supernatural horror trope is revisited in Jump Scare Fest. That looks great, but the trailer leaves way too much out to entice me to watch the movie anywhere other than my house. I'm going to give it a blah. Tony, what say you? Homelander is your daddy. <laughs> and lots of secrets for sure come out. So the premise is the kid has nightmares and he's being terrorized. Parents don't believe him, but get ready to cue the drink scare drinking game because here we go. This actually looks kind of spooky wooky. The trailer tells the story and reveals way more than not, so you kind of get the feel of what it's about. But you know what? It does have my interest, and uh, the, the cast in there looks pretty good. Um, I'm going to give it a blah as well, Jimmy. Right. I'm going to start off with the blah ski. Spencer, what say you? Well, you know, when I watched this, I saw and I saw that Homelander was the dad. It was like it, it was like when I watched uh, watched The Grudge with Sarah Michelle Gellar, and I'm like, why aren't you just punching the dang ghosts? And it's like, but then you know, then they're all like, kid, stop having nightmares. Yeah, that works. That that all that never yeah. works. No, never dream again, kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get to him in the other movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I like the guy who plays Homelander, and the, the 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 mystery of the tapping is interesting to me. So I will give it a blah as well. Oh. Uh, again, I'm trying to channel my inner Robbie a little more forgiving of the horror genre. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking so, of Rob, yeah. what say you? Uh, yes, Anthony Starr starring in the live action Coraline movie. That's what this kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of got that vibe too. Yeah, <laughs> um, that it totally re- gave me that vibe, especially when the little kid turned and there was like a little secret door. Hello, yeah, Coraline, yeah. right there. So, and Cobweb, I think it's going to turn into be some kind of weird like. I think that there is a, like a spider. I, I don't see why else that they would call it Cobweb. And if you catch the very end of the trailer, there's a little spider like crawls across the floor. Oh, yeah, I didn't catch um, that. But I think that it's not what we expect. And I think, like, the parents are in on it some way, somehow. But I don't think it's, like, they're in it, like, helping it kill or something. I don't know. But Mind I think that they're spiders. in on it. Okay. But um, I actually think um, I saw this, like, preview a while ago, too. So I was like, oh, I've seen this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, for me, it was going to be a so-so. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Not bad for the first out of the yeah. gate. Uh, Tony, what is next? Natty Knock. Natty Knock. <laughs> and it's on Halloween Eve, a small-town babysitter and the kids. She is looking after must survive the horrors of serial killer Abner Honeywell. He also makes air conditioners. Oh, <laughs> uh, yippee, the director of Halloween 4 is back with a new take on a different monster named Natty. Uh, the movie looks very low budget, cheap effects, lame story spells disaster for all Natty Nakaruni here. I do, however, like Danielle Harris because she was in the early Halloween movies and Freddy Krueger's in it, a.k.a. Robert England. So for those two alone, I'm at least intrigued. So I got to give this a minimal blah. The movie looks terrible, though. Yeah. But <laughs> I love the people I have, have started. I'm driving. Yeah. Ro- 
Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to, I love how people have started picking up my degrees of blah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I have to give it a minimal blah. Okay. Um, kind of ironic that Freddy Krueger is in a Nightmare on Elm Street knockoff, but hey, who am I to judge? I can't make heads or tails of what is actually happening in the trailer. What starts out as kids' folk legends, song and all, look in the mirror and say Bloody Mary three times. Nope, Natty knocks nine times, quickly turns into... Who was that, and why is that person killing that person? If this happened once, it might be okay, but there are at least nine flashes of different people killing different people and way too much screaming. Way too much screaming. <laughs> Touch Brown. <laughs> Rob, Spencer, uh, Rob, what say you? Uh, yes, Natty Knox. This one kind of reminded me of Darkness Falls. Uh, an obscure, like... Not too well known, like horror character. You've called you called up trauma on me, sir. <laughs> I like the movie Darkness Falls, so this kind of gave me those vibes. <laughs> I love Danielle Harris; she was great in all the crawly movies, and this kind of gave me that vibe too, like that kind of like vibe. So I'm going to say uh, a blah on this one. Oh, blah, Spencer. Oh, I, when I saw a director of Halloween four, I'm like. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, not exactly a strong start. <laughs> but then I saw all the actors, especially Robert England. I love Robert England. I mean, I'll watch anything with him in it at least once. Probably turn it, might, might turn it off going through. But I will start to try and at least watch it once. So uh, with this one, uh, but just because of him, I will give it a blah. I, I, I won't even give it a qualifying blah, just a blah. Wow. <laughs> and hope it doesn't suck. Okay, so we're off to. I'm the only one doing going down to Tench Brown Town right now. Oh, yeah, but Darkness Falls just uh, it sucked so hard. I I blocked it as traumatic. Wow, oh, I like that. Okay, uh, <laughs> next up is Fear the Night. Eight women, eight women, eight women, eight, eight women. women attend a bachelorette party at a remote farmhouse in the California hills. They are interrupted by the arrival of masked intruders who surround the place and begin shooting arrows at the house and the guests. One party goer, Tess, a military veteran who is fighting her addictions and her difficulty at fitting in with other people, as well as, uh, I guess, expressing any kind of emotion, leads the women in making a stand against the attackers as they fight back in an effort to save themselves over the course of a single night. Dark night. <laughs> I had to clarify that. A single dark, dark night. night. Yeah. Um, night. I don't know why. But that was the most deadpan and robotic acting performance since Arnold took on the role of the Terminator. I really don't understand the premise here. A bunch of uber rednecks want something inside a house and decide, instead of waiting for the bachelorette party to end and everybody leave, to start killing the people in the house and leaving enough evidence to surely get caught and convicted of whatever crime they're trying to commit besides murder. Ending is, looks like it's going to be predictable, and so should my rating for this. Touch Brown. Tony, what say you? Oh, three scummy dudes hit on this girl at a gas station on a side tangent. It looked like a truck stop that I saw along the way from Nevada to Colorado a few weeks as <laughs> we had fun googly eyes to things for the amusement of ourselves and others. Okay, so now that I go back to the trailer here, the premise of the movie is dumb. The girl talks to these three idiots. They follow her to a bachelorette party, and then they take it over and they kidnap them all, but one of the girls rebel. And that's Maggie Q, and that's the only thing good I could say about this movie. So if you're a fan of Maggie Q, you got to maybe check it out. Um, I think she did this for a friend or as a favor, because, man, this movie does not look great at all. 
Very predictable. Three scumbags kidnap girls. Maggie Q wins. No need to watch it. Um, don't need to see it at all. Touch Brown for me. Wow, the first one out of Tony. Uh, Spencer, yeah, what say you? I am a fan of Maggie Q. <laughs> and I will not be watching this movie. <laughs> Because as much as as much as I love her, this movie looks terrible. Tough chick, tough chick goes to the store, faces misogynists because of course there's misogynists all, at every store in, in on the road, isn't there? I mean, no. Yeah, yeah especially in Sinclair at yeah. in Evanston, Wyoming. Yeah. So uh, then, so then she's followed because of course she is, and then they, so and then of course she has to kill all of them because of course she does. And of course, she's going to win. And the women are going to be empowered. I have no problem with woman empowerment, but I have a problem with terrible writing. And this trailer doesn't even make the writing look interesting at all. Touch Brown. All right. Now, Touch Brown out of you. Do we got a streak going, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maggie Q, what did you do? What did you do? It's a horrible movie for you. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, this is, uh, oof. she started, she started actually going into the horror genre and she did like some really good ones. And then I don't know why she did this one. Um, paycheck. That's the only thing I could <laughs> well, <man>. like <laughs> um, consider because this is definitely not helping her career. Paycheck lost a bet. Um, <laughs> take a pick. But yeah, no, um, it's so, so, oh gosh, the tropes are all there. Like yeah. every single one, like. Yeah, it's just bad. So yeah, this is, yeah, this is yet, right. another, yet another movie made by committee, and I hate those. All right, that was a streak. Touch Brown all the way for <laughs> Fear of the Night. Tony, what is next? All right, the next one is going to be uh, Miraculous. Uh, Ladybug and Cat Noir, the movie. Bestowed with magical powers of creation, Ladybug must unite with her opposite, Cat Noir, to save Paris as a villain unleashes chaos into the city. <laughs> okay, did the real Pixar go to Netflix? Because the animation looks very Pixar. That's a good thing. The girl looks like a grown Violet from The Incredibles, but she's playing the role of Ladybug, a superhero who teams with a guy named Cat Noir who looks like Catwoman. The movie will appeal to the kids or some kids, and hey, good thing for you parents, it's on Netflix. You don't have to go to the theater to see it. I definitely am not seeing this, but I applaud the Pixar-style animation. That's my nice part of the review, but however, that's Brown. Okay. Nothing of interest here at all. This is a kid's movie, so if you have kids... <laughs> Watch at your own peril, and uh, you're going to need some uh, therapy afterwards, or just some lots of liquor. <laughs> Touch Brown. Rob, what say you? Um, I believe this was a series first, but uh -huh. I don't it think it needed a movie, in my all-honest <laughs> no. opinion. No, it didn't. <laughs> um, I just thought it was funny that he kept referring to her as a watermelon. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like, the best part of the trailer, was him referring to her as a watermelon. That tells you a lot. Um, yeah, touch brown. Okay, <laughs> I was always kind of curious where was the uh, where was the uh, um, green rind that would complete the whole watermelon? I know, right? And the fact that she but... doesn't correct him, she just goes, "What?" Like, you know, like <laughs> not not I'm a ladybug. No, she just yeah. <laughs> Spencer, I have a daughter. She is thankfully aged out of the out of the demographic for this movie. 
I will, uh, you know, a male Catwoman type character. Woo! <laughs> uh, I will not be watching this movie. I will firmly give this a well-deserved touch brown. All right. Man, uh, things have gone south quick. <laughs> yeah, all right. we all jumped on the brown train, buddy. All right, let's uh, recap here. Uh, Cobweb, uh, me, Tony, and Spencer all gave it a blouse. Rob gave it a so-so. Uh, Natty Knox, um, Spencer, Rob, and Tony gave it a blah. I gave it a touch brown. Fear of the night. All of us gave it a touch brown. Mm. Miraculous and uh, Ladybug and Cat Noir, the movie. Um, we all gave it a touch brown, which brings us to our 400-pound gorilla la, 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 in the room this week. Barbie. And... <laughs> Before we go into the uh, break here, wow. here's the synopsis, because it's uh, thankfully two sentences, three actually, if you think about it. To live in Barbie land is to be a perfect being in a perfect place, unless you have a full-on existential crisis, or you're a Ken. With that in mind, that is the uh, official synopsis of Barbie. And when we get back, we'll give you our opinions of Barbie the movie. So don't go anywhere, more Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show coming up next. Welcome back to the Pop Calls Yuga Boom Radio Show. You know what would make me happy right now? What's that? If everybody listening would recommend three friends to <laughs> check out Pop Calls Yuga Boom yes. Radio Show. That would make me happy. And uh, this show is turning into six degrees of separation. Um, uh, Dustin Ferguson, uh-huh. uh, he just put up a post on Facebook. Uh, Dustin Ferguson is a well-known um, director mm-hmm. in Hollywood of horror films and everything. Um, did you know that Coolio was in a movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was one of the Halloweens, wasn't it? No, uh, I did not know about that one. He oh, no, that was Busta. <laughs> that was Busta. Mm-hmm. That's right. Sorry. Yeah, Busta Rhymes, I know, was in a, a couple of movies. But uh, Cooley, what, what were you thinking of? Um, I can't even remember right now, but I know that he was in one. Tony? He was like in a, one of those scary movies. Mm-hmm. Like the, not like it was called Scary Movie. It was the ah, one. Okay, I did not know about that one. Um, I do know that uh, he was in a film that Dustin Ferguson was involved in, as well as, so it was Coolio and Danny Trujillo mm-hmm. uh, were in a movie called Railroad to Hell. Mm-hmm. Huh. And uh, just recently won Best Film Feature Film at the New York Movie Awards. So congratulations, nice. everybody involved. And unfortunately, cool. can't wow. really congratulate Coolio since he unfortunately passed away wow. back in September of last mm-hmm. year. But um, so basically, that is his last off. movie performance. So if you get an opportunity, check out Railroad to Hell. Cool. All right. So let's cool. get back to movies. Speaking of movies, uh, we're going to be talking about Barbie, which is the 400-pound gorilla in the room this week. And uh, here's the synopsis once again, uh, because it's short and sweet. To live in Barbie land is to be a perfect being in a perfect place, unless you have a full-on existential crisis or you're a Ken. All right, that is the synopsis. And that was the most vomit-inducing trailer I have ever seen in my existence. I've seen some trailers that make me question my sanity for watching it, crush my will to ever watch a movie again, but I have no idea, had no idea, that this pink nightmare fuel was out there. What kind of mind-altering drugs you'd have to be on to say, you know, what would make a great movie idea? A movie about Barbie having an existential crisis. If you wanted to truly torture me, hook me up to the theater seat like a clockwork orange and force me to watch the first 10 minutes of this abomination. Touch Brown. Now I'll tell you how I really feel. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) 
Tony, what say you? <laughs> wow, I've seen this trailer more than I'd care to. It's literally, they literally showed this trailer before every movie I've seen this year. Ooh, I'm so, so sorry. I've, I have Ooh. seen this trailer a Oof. lot. Ouch. It looks over the top bad. Yes, it has fantastic actors and actresses, but come on, man. This has to be, this is definitely a niche audience. This is for anyone that grew up with Barbie. Um, that was a fan. Uh, I still stand on that, but uh, this movie looks so, so horrible. It looks awful. But, you know, it's funny. It'll probably turn out to be very entertaining, and I'm sure the audience it reaches will be thrilled. I do owe Jamie Anna a movie of her choice, and it might actually be this. I might be. Oh, no. Oh. But, but I don't know. I don't know. She hasn't brought it up. He's listening. I'll, I'll find <laughs> but if it's on my own will, it's a pink, sparkly, shimmery touch brown. So, <laughs> All right, Spencer, what say you? All right. I want to start with something positive. Ryan Gosling decided to take the role of Ken because he, he was offered it and he's like, nah, but then he left. And, he's, and it's like his kid or something had a Ken doll in the backyard. It was beaten up. It looked like it was treated by like the kid that abuses their toys in Toy Story. And he goes, Ken's story must be told. That's no, why he doesn't. decided to take that role. It really doesn't. Yes. That being said, uh, I saw in the trailer that said, if you love Barbie, this movie's for you. If you hate Barbie, this movie's for you. That is literally A impossible. Lie. Yeah. That's trying to serve two masters and nothing works. When you're trying to when you're trying to serve two masters, especially diametrically opposed masters, and I haven't liked Will Ferrell since he was Lord Business in the Lego Movie. I know I saw and, him in that trailer too, and it looks like he's basically going to try and be, and be Lord Business again. And once was enough. Touch Brown. Okay, Rob, what say you? Well, Barbie has gone meta. Um, she has an existential crisis, can't decide if her high heels are now flat feet. And <laughs> um, it was, in all honesty, I, I think that I'm definitely the wrong market for this. But I, I think that for people who like love Barbie, I think it's going to be a great movie. I think it's very, very catchy with some of the little dance tunes there. I think it's great that they're just like kind of throwing Ken under the bus every which way like they, they can. See that even, they the, even thrown, the promotions. They, uh, no, it oh. should have been an actual bus and they should have shown that. Well, it was even, even the promotions. Cause like not in the, in the States, but overseas they're producing Burger King has a Barbie burger with a pink sauce on it. <laughs> and, you get, and, and the it's side is Pepto Ken, which is just regular fries. Cause it's just Ken. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> so I thought oh. that was, great oh yeah that but, doesn't mind after you're done i there's one thing that annoyed me that i need to talk about i want you to finish yours i'm sorry you know it's fine but um like i said i just don't think i'm like the right target audience i have a feeling though that this is going to actually end up being quite comedic and funny so i'm going to actually have to say like a blah wow, wow. okay Okay. I am not uh, questioning Rob, your sanity, Rob. Okay. <laughs> hey, there's things that come on TV that you just can't turn away, and yeah, I have I a feeling if this comes on, I may end up watching it. Now, Spencer, you said one thing annoyed you. One? <laughs> really? One, the one, may, you know, one thing that just really stood out was at the end, Ken's a misogynist, because of course he has to be. I mean, why? 
Oh, really? See, I stopped paying attention yeah. at that point. Oh, yeah, point. it's like, it's like <laughs> can I, uh, he basically asked a, a female doctor, can I go, per, can I perform one appendectomy? No. Can I talk to a doctor? I am a doctor. Oh, now, okay, now I know what you're like, talking about. Oh, oh yeah, so, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, so, okay, so Ken just has to be misogynistic. Uh, of course. But, but of course. All right, so let's recap all of this for you. Fear the night. Uh, I, if I quit hitting the wrong button here, that would be nice. Uh, Fear of the night. Uh, we all gave it a touch brown. Miraculous Ladybug and Cat Noir, the movie. We all gave it touch browns. Uh, Natty Knox, uh, Tony and Spencer and Rob gave it all blahs. I gave it a touch brown. And Cobweb, spent, Rob gave it a so-so, Spencer, Tony, and I gave it a blah. So the best rated one so far, Barbie B, which is the 400-pound gorilla in the room this week. Uh, three touch browns, and Rob gave it a surprising blah. So Yeah, I, I was so <laughs> expecting that to go full touch brown. So did I. I like I said, I have a me, feeling Rob. it'll end up on TV, and it'll just be there, and I'll end up watching it. Drunk and lonely one night. Yep. <laughs> like I said, it, I, I have a feeling oh. it's going to be very comedic. And... Yeah, I, I hope so because I, I like Margot Robbie, but uh, well, and then yeah, hearing this... about like certain things that she had installed in like the set and stuff like that, like it was just funny to me. Hmm. Okay, uh, so we got five movies next week from July twenty fourth to July thirtieth. Uh, what more than likely will be the 400-pound gorilla in the room next week will be Haunted Mansion, yeah. based on the Disney ride. Talk to Me, uh, which is another horror movie, an actual horror movie about somebody's weird cast hand. Kind of reminds me of like, the monkey's paw. But... <laughs> Tony, are you still there? No, I'm still okay. here. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sympathy for the Devil, which will have Nicolas Cage, which looks yeah. really weird. <laughs> Well, of course, it's Nicholas Cage. Yeah, no, I mean, devil. it looks yeah. really weird. And see, maybe. Uh, they they kind of play it in that he might be, but they don't really get into it in the trailer that I saw, like, months ago that I barely remember because I only saw it once. But anyway, um, yeah, Sympathy for the Devil, The Mistress, and Shrapnel. So those are the, which sounds Shrapnel. like a, yeah, sound, an 80s band documentary. I don't know what Shrapnel is, but we'll find out. Uh, so those are the five that we'll be talking about next week with our special in-studio guest, Emily Skyle Golden, uh, the co-founder and executive director of the Cordillera International Film Festival. And she's a director in her own right. So this ought to be interesting. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, Tony, um, have you been watching anything lately on TV? Um, you know, I tried to... I, I've been really busy since I've been back, but um, because we had inventory and everything, um, I did start Secret Invasion. Mm. It's just okay so far. It hasn't really grabbed me. <laughs> no. It just hasn't. It's just really slow. Yeah, very slow. It is very slow. Yeah. Um, but that's the only new thing I've uh, that I've turned on uh, TV wise. Well, uh, Netflix decided to go the AMC Walking Dead route, and uh, for season three of The Witcher, uh, they decided to a, do a mid-season mm-hmm. break, which was just dumb for a series you can stream all of the episodes in one bench sitting. Yeah, they were kind of hoping to cash in on Henry Cavill's last bit first, I'm guessing. Uh, uh, well, then they would have just put the whole thing out, but mm-hmm. instead of making us wait for like uh, like months... Well, I think it's, I think it's the, ne- the next half it doesn't have Henry Cavill. So. Oh, is that what? <laughs> No, no, he, no he's, he's still not, in it. This is the, the, the full one? Okay. Yeah, yeah this the, is the end of his reign. Yeah, no pun intended. Um, 
Are they going to take a long break like Walking Dead? Did? They like, they are. They, they are. released five yeah. episodes oh and no, then they're going to back this week. No, the twenty oh. through the twenty eighth. It comes back in like two weeks. Really, two weeks? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was longer than no. that. Well, you know what? When you can stream, when you, know, you can binge watch the whole thing, two weeks is a long time for that's very true. It's a very long time, right? <laughs> so yeah, um, so yeah, Henry Cavill, uh, uh, Witcher. I watched all five of the episodes. The last one was very confusing. I mean, uh, the, the first the season they tried to do the time jumps and everything, which yeah, was really confusing. This one, this uh, one was a weird dialogue time jump. I liked they it because like, it, it expanded on each person's interactions. Yeah, like, it, it kind of reminded me of like. They were doing each person's perspective of what had happened. A very Rashomon of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing, though, that it was kind of anticlimactic, though, because when you show Gerald and Yennefer uh, mm-hmm. in bed together talking about the evening, it really doesn't tell it. That tells you nothing really major happened <laughs> during that. Dinner. No, but they revealed like who like and who choreographs those stupid dances i mean that was like the most confusing dance i've ever part of that like you're part of royalty you know what to do because like (laughs) carol didn't know what to do he was like what is this but he did he was totally i know it's like all right like i I think when you're part of royalty you just know well okay all right so but uh, okay so of this uh, do you recommend watching season three i have watched the first two seasons i have not gotten yeah this one was season one and two (laughs) it's worth the watch i was kind of disappointed it took them what like uh, until episode three to bring in the wild hunt again Mm -hmm. Uh, if you played the game you know who the wild hunt is Mm -hmm. um and and they they talk about it in season two yeah they show them at the end of season two but then it like took two episodes from into season three for them to actually show them again, mm-hmm. okay. and then even then it was anticlimactic again because they would like show up in like ghost form chasing Siri through the woods, mm-hmm. join us, you know, like the Walking uh-huh. Evil Dead, and then he puts his hand on uh, her shoulder, and then girl shows up to save the day. Yeah, so it's kind of like what, little... the White Walkers, how they could just kind of show up for a mm-hmm. scene, show up for a scene, and then oh by the way, you're dead. <laughs> uh, what? In uh, Game of Thrones. It's like yeah. they show the White Walkers. The White Walkers are coming. Winter is coming. And then all of a sudden, you know, Sansa. Or whichever one. Oh, you know, just kills him in one shot. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just, that was... Very anticlimactic. ...to me with the dialogue aspect of it. Cause, and then, I got, then it got interesting because it became interesting. So who do you think is the uh, the, the one behind it? Because it no longer points to that old man. No, yeah, it's Villaforge. Fingers, who? They already said it was. That was the big reveal. Forge was, was behind it all. The, the one who's dating the uh, mm-hmm. head head, head yep. Uh, lady. Yep. Do you have any idea what we're talking about, Tony? Well, a little bit. <laughs> but yes, I, I, I know of it. I hear about it a lot. I know that Henry Cavill's out and they're going to replace him for season four, which mm-hmm. do you guys think that's going to hurt it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. since it's Liam Hemsworth. I mean, if you talk about a hand-me-down uh, actor. I mean, he's Thor's brother. Uh, he was... <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. I think that's one of those, if you lose the main one, the show just kind of goes off the rails. They did that with Walking Dead when Andrew Lincoln left mm-hmm. with uh, Rick Grimes. It just wasn't... Hey, once you lost the main people, it's just not as good. Yeah, and they didn't yeah. even kill them off to make it. They just kind of made it look like, well, well if it goes south, we can always bring them, them build, We can no, bring them back. But he goes back. The question yeah. until you but saw the helicopter. But this one, I guess, is different because they're just straight up replacing the main character with a different actor. And that's, yeah. 
that. And that's yeah. like when you change uh, animation show, like TV shows and stuff that's animated. Yeah. Or, you replace or, or, that voice actor, and uh, it's just not the same. No, this is. It's like when they replaced Aunt Viv on <laughs> Fresh Prince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say old timer reference time. Um, yeah, I remember. Remember yeah. uh, Bewitched? They replaced Darren with Darren. Yeah, it's <laughs> a really old timer reference right there. Boy, you're really digging far back for that one. But yeah, yeah. exactly, though. And the, the two Darrens. My two Darrens. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was funny because they both have the same first name. I'm like, that's hilarious. <laughs> but speaking speaking of recastings, though, you know, just uh, mm-hmm. actually, you know, we, we've, we've uh, I've been very honest about our opinions about uh, STD, Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. I'm actually finding myself really enjoying Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's yeah. really good. Yeah, it's actually got kind of the the Star Trek feel back to it. But it's a prequel. It it is. So Get you know, the no, I'm not going to let it go, Rob. <laughs> I'm not going to let my. I have an opinion about prequels. Period. No, but but the way they handle it, Pike. It's interesting that Pike, you know, knows his his demise. He, yep. he knows he knows <laughs> so that he's he going to end up being yeah. boop boop boop. And he's still kind of, and he's kind of going. For those, yeah, since yeah. this is radio and not television, um, boop boop means that he's in a. Uh, if you watch the original Star Trek series um, with uh, William Shatner back in the, uh, he's uh, the t- Tony's yeah. helping us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Pike was in a uh, weird metal chair box thing, except so he's like basically a chair, a head on wheels. I think if I remember. Oh uh, yeah, because right. they couldn't get the original actor back, so they put a guy in heavy makeup, put him in that thing, so that he wouldn't have to do. Anything, yeah, <laughs> and he didn't, and so that's, that's too busy. The, the, the original guy was too busy playing <laughs> Jesus Christ somewhere. Wow. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's what he's referring to about the beep beeps because that's that was his Which dialogue they parody in Futurama. <laughs> they did indeed yeah, very well. All right, Tony. Um, anything else going on in the world of uh, cinema, movies, television that you want to talk about? I mean, uh, not, uh, not real, too much is going to be coming out quick, in the future, that's for sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, real quick, I will answer that Phoenix question. You did send it, and I wasn't mm-hmm. a part of that part. Um, I, the one I would pick that he's not on there is would be Ethan Hunt for Mission Impossible. Oh. For a deadly spy. Oh, but, yeah. Because okay. he does really good with the espionage and stuff like that. But if I had to pick one on that list, like if I wasn't allowed to just pick one from the ether like I just did, I'd have to go James Bond just because he's had the most movies and everything. Everything else seems yeah, to be. Although Ethan Hunt's really but... working on it. Yeah, we talked about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Jason Bourne isn't on that list either. Yo, well, he would have been great too. That's a fantastic <laughs> one. Uh, I, mean, Rob, Rob... one. I just was thinking that when I watched Mission Impossible. I'm like, you know, that's a great answer to the question. Yeah, but... Rob, Rob uh, actually said something funny about that. He goes, maybe he just didn't remember he was a spy. So. <laughs> <laughs> So that was that. Was and then, hilarious. if you're going comedic, you're not deadly, but comedic. You always got Austin Powers too. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's true, true. too. Yeah. All right, sir. Well, we got to go. We got to make a room for our special guest this evening, Mister yeah. Naaman Hillen. And uh, so we will we'll talk to you next week, sir. Be good, be safe, look, and stay healthy. Look forward to that. All, All right. right, guys. Have a good night. All right, Luke. adios. Later. And for everybody listening, uh, we will be back momentarily with our special guest, Damon Hillen. We'll be talking his movies. The latest, of course, is The Flood, which is out in theaters right now. And we'll be back with more right after this. The Nevada Artist Association presents the Spirit of America show through July 28th at their gallery. 57 local artists submitted 137 entries for judging of the show. 
The gallery is open and free to the public Tuesday through Sunday from 12 to 4 p.m. and is located at 449 West King Street in Carson City, right next to the Brewery Arts Center. More information is available at nevadaartists.org. And welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom, a radio show, everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. A daring jailbreak during a dangerous storm is interrupted by hungry alligators in the horror thriller The Flood. A horde of giant hungry alligators is unleashed on a group of in-transit prisoners and their guards after a massive hurricane floods Louisiana. The Flood is in theaters now and on video on demand. The Flood is the latest full-length motion picture from our guest this evening, award-winning producer and executive director damon hillen and how are you sir i'm well that was a great pitch too by the way thank you so much for that (laughs) (laughs) i was right on (laughs) i expect a uh check in the mail soon no i'm kidding (laughs) yeah right um so uh, i i i know i'm going to probably mispronounce this um belaton films is that correct it's Benetton Films Benetton. and Hillen Entertainment. Uh, okay, yeah, so, there's two. Um, I, I was actually I was looking it up, and I was amazed about how many uh, movies that uh, Benetton Films has done that I have actually watched. <laughs> I mean, I was going through them. I'm like, wow, I saw that one. Wow, I saw. Wow, I'm pretty impressed. Maneater um, was one of the ones that I had seen. I have this uh, um, affinity for um, hor- for horror movies. So, a uh, uh, zombie tidal wave. <laughs> I actually did watch that. <laughs> I loved zombie tidal wave. Um, um, I, I did not see Apache Junction, though, which is another big one, or Battle for Sapan. Um, but uh, those two actually look interesting. Um, and Death of Me, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I have seen that. And yeah, you have too, great. Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, a lot of films that I was actually surprised um, Benetton Films has done. Um, but my question of curiosity is because I've always been mystified uh, by what exactly a producer is sure so a producer is like the ceo of the company that is managing the film so as a producer produced by credit what i'm doing is i'm finding ip intellectual property and then i'm putting all the business behind it i'm packaging it i'm finding a director i'm finding uh i'm attaching cast I'm speaking with distributors, um, and then I'm financing the picture. So I will then go and and take it through production, all the way through post-production, and then deliver a film. So it's really like these films are my babies. I see them from the very beginning to the very end. And it's actually a very long process, too. So I'm involved with these movies for sometimes years. Wow. And, and I and I imagine that you also have to uh, you know hire the person who does the location scouting and make all the uh, arrangements for locations, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, yeah, so there you know there's different levels of producers. So what I would do is I would hire a line producer, and that line producer is going to go and go line by line, break down that budget meticulously, and then hire those department heads to uh, go and find us those locations and find us the art team and find us, you know, what, is, what editor are we using? They, they'll, they'll put everything together for us um, in a little nice little bow for me to go over. I'm overseeing it all. Mm, okay. So, uh, yes, Spencer? Well, uh, you know, I was just thinking, you know, they, they say that a movie is made three times. Basically, it's written, then it's shot, 
and then it's edited. So basically, it's like three different movies in one. So I'm wondering, uh, as as a producer, how do you keep the uh, vision consistent as you go through the process? To, you know, basically three different forms of movie. Yeah, you know, it, we rely heavily on the director. So, as the producer, I'm looking at more of the financials, like how how is each actor going to raise the value of a movie? Um, and then I'm making sure that the director stays within the vision that he pitched, pitched to us. So we might, we might start out with one film, certain direction. And then as it does progress, it does change. So there are different variations of the film um, from the beginning to the final product. You know, because sometimes things change, you lose locations. Uh, it, it, it's, it's an ever-changing uh, field that we're in. The producing is like jumping through fiery hoops. <laughs> well, uh, the, I think the closest that um, the, you know, a consumer of pop culture has oh. to a, a producer is was um, t- um, Tom Cruise's performance in uh, Tropic Thunder. Uh, oh, that's one of my favorites. I love that. <laughs> how, yeah. cl- how close to reality was his performance? Is that do, do you have the like the little remote that oh bring, turns gosh. on the music with the lights and everything? Or yeah, it depends. It depends on the day. <laughs> it's just like that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but seriously, is there any truth to like that his performance? Uh, I mean, as, as far as how um, his character, what he was going through with trying to get the film made. Um, I know oh, yeah. it's kind of a parody, but still. It, I mean. Yes, I, it, it's a, it's a battlefield. It's it's you're going to war when you're making movies. Literally, it's you know managing eighty people in a you know a foreign country or you know uh, even even the state of Hawaii. You run into things that you're just like, wow, um, we got to fix this. This is crazy, and and it comes out. It really does. Uh, yes, Rob, you have a question. Uh, yeah, you were talking about the different producer levels, like line producer, producer, and then like what exactly would be executive producer then? Right, so executive producers are really tied towards financials or some sort of packaging. Okay. So an executive producer can be an individual that maybe bring a portion of the funding or they bring a high-level talent to the project that uh, gets you distribution. Executive producers really evolve or revolve around like financial financial like commitments that you get in a film. Gotcha. So, and then like co-executive producers are people that introduce you to the executive producer. <laughs> you know, so they're like a liaison, but they get co. Yeah, it nice. is. It literally is. And then. Like co-producers are, are are more, I would say, like physical physical producers. Like my co-producer, Amy Covell, she runs every movie that I have. She's the one going through all the numbers. She's the line producer slash co-producer. Mm. Um, so, and then and then you go down to like associate producers. Associate producers can be, you know, bringing something to the table that is beneficial to the film. Maybe you're shooting in a location and they bring a few locations for free. Uh, or, you know, some, uh, associate producers are, are, I think it was, you know, one of the, the lower end producers and then it just goes up to 
produced by, which is the like the lead producer. Oh, okay. And it's actually backwards in TV because the executive producer is, is the producer that holds all the power in TV. So it's different how TV and film work. Wow. Um, so with all of those things, how did you become or get into the business of being a producer in the first place? I mean, it sounds really complex, and I would not be able to figure where out. Where would you start? Like, yeah, you where, where would somebody start even being a producer? Yeah, so you know what? I I was in mortgage and real estate back in 2008. I was doing really well. And then we had that crisis, that real estate crisis, and I lost everything. Mm. I moved to L.A. where my sister was, and I had a real estate investor come to me and say, hey, I know you're in Hollywood. Let's do something in Hollywood. He gave me $100,000 and said, let's, let's do some art. Let's create. And so I literally went on Craigslist. And I, I, I just started, like, looking for people. Like, hey, I need a camera operator. And then the camera operator was like, well, who's going to do your data, data intake? And I'm like, oh, I need someone else. <laughs> um, so I, I literally pieced together my first production uh, on Craigslist. <laughs> I, you know, I realized, I'm like, I have no clue what I'm doing, but this is so fun. <laughs> and I never looked back. You know, I knew I had no clue what I was doing, but I just I just wanted it so bad, and it was such a, a fun, fascinating, like, blending storytelling with business, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's what really just lured me in, and I've never looked back ever since. Well, you know, and, sometimes you know, enthusiasm I'm, can override good sense. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, out of all of the movies, I mean, Ghost House, uh, I believe, was the first film that you executive produced. Is that correct or no? Yeah, so executive. So in Ghost House, I I ran Ghost House on the ground in Thailand. Um, that the movie Ghost House was kind of like falling apart a little bit, and then I got involved, and I helped the producer Kevin uh, see it through production, and I oversaw it in Thailand, and basically physically made the film, um, and put it in the can for for Kevin. And then uh, that movie did very, very well. So that was, uh, I love Ghost House. That was, that's one of my favorite movies, actually. Oh, okay. I'm glad I, I'm glad I saw that one. Um, so uh, now you have the, the Flood, which is in theaters now and on video on demand. Um, so tell us, how, how, what was the process? What, um, what was the pitch that got, that, that got you to say, you know, I, I want to make the film The Flood? So... I, I just got off Maneater, and Maneater did very well, mm-hmm. and creature features do very well. So when I was told that there's a script with alligators in a prison, and they're trapping <laughs> on prisoners, and people are fighting, and you know trying to stay stay alive, like I was like, hey, that sounds really interesting. I haven't seen that before, uh, and I was sold. I read the script. Uh, I came from two prominent writers. Chad Law and Josh Ridgway, they're, they're very prominent in the indie world. Uh, they write a lot of scripts uh, that, go, that go to floor and, as the films have been made. Uh, chose to greenlight the picture. I worked hand-in-hand with my sales company to select, uh, like our name talent, mm-hmm. Nikki Whelan, uh, Casper Van Dien, and 
uh, Louis Mandalore, who, who are actually all very good friends of mine. So it was, it was really fun because it was like a group of people that you love being with mm-hmm. uh, in Thailand. So you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> so is there going to be a, a blooper reel released with the DVD or no? <laughs> no, I get in trouble. Ah, darn. Because <laughs> those are always the funny when, when you hear about like a, a, a shoot and it, and everybody was just, you know, uh, almost like family and everybody's mm-hmm. having a great time at it. The blooper reels are always right, the best. They're, they're so <laughs> candid. They're just, yeah, they're yeah. just, you know, they're just absolutely hilarious. They're fun. They're, they're almost funner to watch than the movie itself. Right, because everybody's so comfortable with each other yeah. that, you know, they just say whatever. Yeah. So that's a bummer. But the yeah, flood is out. It's, it's so funny because when they. Like insurance companies make us pay more for uh, like errors and emissions insurance, <laughs> so we never do blooper reels. Like wow, that's that's weird. Because it, it, it's it's like you want to put that out, but then you have to get like you know it just makes the process that much harder. So yeah. you're just oh. like, ah, forget it. Well, that explains a lot, though. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like why there is wow. a lot more blooper reels out there. So uh, I know exactly. We established Ghost House was your one of your favorite movies that you've done um, of the twenty five movies that you've actually that you've produced and have been a part of the production of. Um, what is the what stands out as the your your crowning achievement to this point? Because uh, I I'm a musician and I've always viewed albums as being um, you know a snapshot of where a band is at that point in time. And I and I, th- and I see movies as the same way because you, you, each film was, I'm sure, a learning experience in in a way, and you kind of build yeah. off of that experience. Um, so to this point in time, uh, what is uh, do you feel is your the best movie you've done to this date? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I wish I had a precise answer for you, but, <laughs> but you know, it's just so many movies and so many different feelings are attached to every movie you make. Um, sometimes the easiest movies to make are, 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 you know, aren't received as well as the harder movies to make. Like if I'm suffering on production, I know that movie's probably going to do pretty well, <laughs> but if it's simple, you know, sometimes that movie doesn't turn out, but what, you know, a few of the movies that I really kind of just love, uh, battle for Saipan that I did, it's a world war two movie based on. Uh, tr- just true events that happened. I like being able to uh, really just put my mind to something and say, "Hey, I want to see this on the on the as a movie." And I've really got to a, a place in my my career now where I can do that. I can go and see kind of what's hot, and then figure out what I want to see as that movie, and that that just fulfills me as a producer. Now I got a quick question for you: um, Is Benison Films or uh, um, Hillen Entertainment part of the AMPTP at all? No, we're not. Okay. No, no. Uh-uh. Okay, good. Because yeah. I wanted to skate yeah. any of that stuff altogether. <laughs> yeah, no, we aren't. Yeah, we are. No, um, we we're following guidelines, and uh, we are. You know, there. You just you, you you have to. You have to respect the actors and the guild, and and we do everything that we can for that. So, but uh, that has got to put you as a producer. I mean, you have, I, I know seven upcoming films. I was uh, hoping to get to those. Uh, um, if you don't mind uh, sticking around for another segment, sir. 
is, would that be okay? Another twenty-minute segment? Yeah, 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 of course. Okay, um, you got seven films coming up that I would like to touch on, but I know that this whole thing that's going on with the uh, um, writers' strike and also the uh, SAG-AFTRA strike has uh, really put a, a kind of a, a, a damper on and and a, you know notice on everything that's coming out of Hollywood at the moment. I mean, even cons and, uh, that I cover a lot of, um, a lot of the actors and, and other people, they can't promote their stuff. So it's making the San Diego Comic-Con, for example, is having a very hard time with a lot of cancellations from everything from TV appearances to panels and all of the panel guests are basically unable to attend. Um, how is that as from a producer standpoint, um, when we get back from this break, I would, I'd like to know from a, from a producer standpoint, it isn't part of the AMPTP. How does that, uh, going to affect Menaton films and Hill and entertainment in the future uh, coming up in the next couple of months, especially with these seven films, which we'll go over, uh, when we get back. So if you don't mind holding on, sir, uh, we'll be right back with more with Damon Hillen. And, uh, he is a, an executive producer and award-winning, producer and we'll be right back with more from him including more about the movie the flood which is in theaters now and on video on demand so don't go anywhere more pop culture boom radio show right after this Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. And in theaters now is The Flood. And we have the producer of The Flood, Mr. Damon Hillen, on the phone with us. We're talking about all of his movies, including Battle for Sapan, Man Eater, The Long Night, Hellblazers, Apache Junction, Hunters. I'm not going to go down the entire list. Those are just the first ones on the top of the list that just came out in recent years. But there's uh, seven films that will be coming up from... Benetton Films and Hillen Entertainment. And uh, But if you want to check out everything Benetton Films, you can go to their website, BenettonFilms.com. You can also find all of their social links there as well and see all of their upcoming movies, their television series, and everything that they do, um, including production services. And uh, Mr. Hillen, um, I posed a question about... Um, how the strikes that are going on currently with the WGA and, and, and SAG um, as a producer with, you have seven films coming out in, in, within the near future. How does that affect um, from a producer standpoint, um, being able to put these films out? Hello? Uh-oh. Still there? Mr. Hillen? Hmm. Uh, no, this looks like it's still active, I think. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. Maybe you just, uh, had to step out. <laughs> well, you know, uh, yeah, I kind of wonder how producers, you know, do like, do they all like go to try to find a script first and then try to produce it? Or do they have like an idea? Like, uh, you know, back in, back when, uh, you know, before Wild Wild West came out, you know, with, with, with Will Smith, there was a, a producer who just really had the idea that he wanted a giant robot spider in a movie. So that was, so he wanted it in the uh, Nick Cage movie, the Superman Lives movie. Hmm. And, and of course that, when that movie got scrapped, he moved the, the Mr. Helen. He moved yes, the idea yes. to oh, Wild I was so I was speaking to you, and nobody heard. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're like, all right. We've all been there, actually. Yeah. I was about no, to say, Rob, try uh, and call him back. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, so, nobody likes so, the giant uh, robot stories. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for saving us from that story. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, um, so, so, 
so to your point, a lot of these movies that I have on uh, IMDb that you see, we've already shot those films. Ah. So we've gone through the process. Now, if we have to go pick something up in post-production, like ADR, um, that's where the actors come in and we didn't get the dialogue on set. Uh, we have to go back to SAG and we have to get an interim waiver, you know, because as this, there's the strike, um, we have to have the approval of SAG. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, there's a couple things that you ha- also have to have in place. You have to make sure that you haven't, you know, pre-sold the film or sold the film to a streamer. Um, there's just a series of rules that we have to follow in order to, uh, you know, continue working. Mm. And as an independent producer, uh, we can go to the union and ask the union for an interim waiver, especially as long as I don't have the movie pre-sold or I don't have a sales company. And as long as it's independently financed, they, the unions are working with, independent producer so we're very very grateful for that well, that's oh, good that's to hear good. yeah that means everybody can still be paid which is always a good thing especially because i i if it wasn't for uh believe it or not disney and the mcu uh, as of late um, when they came out and they started doing the post-production scenes i don't think anybody would see the list of names of everybody who was involved in that movie um, like they used to, because people would, the minute the credits started rolling, everybody got out of their seat and they wanted to be the first ones out of the parking lot. Um, now everybody kind of has to sit there and see the name scrolling up. And, you know, this, you look at a film budget and how much money is actually, you know, they claim like 300 million spent. But then you got to look at every name that's going on that screen and all of those people had to get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that kind of, especially when there's like hundreds of names on there. Um, and I don't think a lot of people take that into account um, with uh, with what uh, producers have to go through, right? Yeah, this is going to be a lot harder for the for the studio, the studio crews, and and the the, the studio, you know, the big studio actors. Uh, you know, we're doing we're doing budgets that are around like two to five million. They're 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 a little they're lower than what these studios are doing. We're doing, like, our catering budget is what the studio is. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> the catering budget is, like, what our budget is. Uh, they just spend so much money, um, and and that's really where these, these uh, strikes are geared towards, the streamers and just the, you know, making sure that there's residuals for the actors and uh, not, not, doesn't, it, they're very good to the independent producer, right? They're they're working with us so that we don't take food off of people's tables. That's good. That's that's very good. Yeah, because I I'm I'm familiar with how things work with the music industry with like ASCAP and everything with uh, you know being played on the on FM radio and you know anytime I have musical guests on, I make sure that they, you know when uh, if I play a song of theirs, I have all of their information so that they can get paid for the uh, FM rotations. You know, in 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 line with the ASCAP and any other um, music publishing. So I can only imagine, uh, you know, from the film industry end of it, you know, how complicated and that can be sometimes with, uh, you know, making sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's really hard on independent producers sometimes. You know, we might have a film that, 
we, we sold for a price just to make our, our money back, but then it did really well, and we don't see anything else. You know, we just live to fight another day. Mm. So, I, like, I wish we saw residuals. You know, <laughs> we, as an independent producer, I don't really, you know, see that. I see, I see enough to keep the lights on, to keep the, the, the train moving, to keep the productions going. Like that's, you know, that's, that's what I see as a producer, as an independent producer right now. You know what you got to do? You got to find an IP that you can market, like uh, George, you know, like George Lucas did with Star Wars. You know, you got to think toy lines and all <laughs> kinds of other stuff to go along with your with the IP. You know what I'm saying? Got alligators, exactly. <laughs> Especially, yeah, with the flood, you can like have a horde of alligators, as a, you know, toys. Oh yeah, well, somebody chomping on a Casper Van Dien action figure. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Uh, uh, so, from, uh, so the next, it uh, looks like the next film um, after the flood is Three Days in Malay. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's going to be an action historical uh, war drama, uh, and it has a tentative release of August 11th. Um, is it still going to be able to um, be released on time? Yes, it will still be released on time. Now, whether my actors are going to be able to promote it, is another, you know, is a totally another question. So I might be promoting it with the director solely, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, at least the uh, directors' union actually got their agreement or out of, or their contract out of the way. So that's always a plus, right? Yep, it is. <laughs> it is. They were on top of it. So three days in Malay is coming up next on August 11th. Um, there's a couple with no release dates, but one that I'm really interested in is Operation Blood Hunt. Um, which is a uh, kind of it's, it claims it's a war horror film um, and an interesting kind of take on a, a South Pacific island with werewolves on it. Yes, yeah, so we we just kind of had this fetish for World War Two movies, and we're just like <laughs> we need to keep making these because they're so awesome. I love that time in history, and then we wanted to blend World War Two with supernatural. And that's where Operation Blood Hunt came came about, as it's it's about mysterious deaths that are taking place in in the Pacific. Uh, both Japanese soldiers and American soldiers are dying, and nobody can explain why. So U.S. force forces send in a special unit to investigate what's going on here in, in the South Pacific. And uh, what it is is there's werewolves that are killing both Japanese and American soldiers. Wow, hmm. that actually will. I'm going to put that on my list of movies to watch. Actually, you know, I've I've always wondered why they don't do more like supernatural horror, like like military type movies. Because one of my favorite movies is Dog Soldiers. Yeah, I remember and, that one. Yeah, and that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th that one. The, the the werewolves were very tidy in there. It was very, <laughs> weird, very weird, but uh, yeah. But supernatural and military just seems like it would be a natural com combination to be able to butt heads and make very interesting movies out of. You know, it'd be a, 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 a one type of movie I did not see on your list of produced movies is a kaiju movie of any sort. <laughs> oh well, now I have inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if you want, I know a toy company already that has a uh, character that uh, you could probably, uh, and they have a comic book and a toy line all based off of this uh, kaiju. There we go. We're already setting up a franchise. Yeah. You know what? I, if you want, I could uh, email you their info if you're interested. You're going to be an executive producer. <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh, that works, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, 
that's actually kind of part and parcel for uh, what I do on the show. I, I like to, you know, connect people to make great franchises happen. You know, um, I was talking earlier about uh, Dustin Ferguson. Uh, have you heard of uh, Mr. Ferguson? No, no, I haven't. Uh, he has done, um, I think he's up to like 140 horror movie, movies now um, as a director. Um, he's an independent guy, oh, wow. too. And he is phenomenal. He just, uh, he, and I had the pleasure of, uh, when I first was introduced to him, he was uh, uh, just gotten, it st- was just barely getting started um, out of Nebraska. He has since moved to Los Angeles and his career has just completely taken off. Um, he was just featured in Variety for his next film coming up uh, in a, a couple of weeks ago. So um, him, I've been trying to get to, different people connected with him and various uh, projects and stuff like that just because I, I i talk to somebody and i'm interested in what they're doing and so i like the uh, toy line that i'm talking about um i've actually yeah, had the yeah. guy on the show and i've talked to him and, and i like the toy line that he's done he has some really interesting ideas um and with the, the toys that they're making the kaijus that they're making and how he's going about marketing it so and, and then i hear opportunities like this and it's like you know these two would probably you know be like a Reese's peanut butter cup you know the peanut butter and the chocolate going good together so <laughs> that's my I love it it's very inspirational oh thank you um the other movies that you have coming out this is probably the most interesting one out of the bunch and that is Killing Winston Jones a comedy starring Richard Dreyfus and Danny Glover um two big A-list named actors so Killing yes, Killing Winston Jones and is is a special movie and directed by Joel David Moore. Uh, it's a movie that it, it, it's it's a dark comedy and it's it's just very endearing. Um, I'm I'm just waiting on my producing partner Albert Sandoval on that as he was the lead producer um, to put it together for distribution. We're just so we're in a holding pattern right now, waiting for Albert to. You know, take it, take it to the next level. But that sounds like that's going to be a a big hit for you, especially with the the names that are involved in it. Um, so best of luck with that one. That one sounds like that one. Yeah, going... thank you, thank you. It was a pleasure working on that film. And another interesting one that really caught my attention um, because I used to like the old uh, Sinbad movies is uh, Oliver Storm and the Curse of Sinbad's Treasure. Hmm. Yeah, this is this is this this movie is. It's one of those films that it's really hard for independent filmmakers to make because it's so big. You know, it's a very big film. A lot of things, a lot of big sets. And it's it's really hard to sell those kind of movies if I can't put big names in them. Oh, that's a big um, And it's about, it's about kids. So it's, it's on the harder side to finance. So we're just, we've been in development trying to get it right and then trying to make the right pitch on that. So that's a very, that's very much a passion project that, you know, we're continuously trying to get off the floor. Okay. I, I'm, I'm hoping that it does get off the, get off the ground. Cause that one, like I said, I used to be a big fan of the old Sinbad movies. So when I was growing up, so uh, one title like this kind of brings the nostalgia out uh, a little bit. So 
Um, that'll be an interesting one. Um, a couple of, uh, now I've only touched on kind of the, uh, fantasy and, uh, action adventure slash horror ones that you're doing. Um, aside from the killing Winston Jones, which is uh, a comedy, uh, but there's some other ones that are, that kind of vary uh, greatly from, from the rest, uh, the midway point, which is being classified as a straight drama, um, and uh, looks like that might be the next one down the line. I'm not sure. Um, is there any info you can give about that one? Yeah, so The Midway Point is a movie about heart, and, and it is a drama. But it's also about uh, a young boy that has autism and falling in love in high school. Hmm. So we, I fell in love with this script. It was, it was so good and heartfelt. And we were able to attach some great actors to this because of the the heart in the script. So we were able to get Oscar-winning Wes Studi in the picture. Uh, Thora Birch and Julie Bend all came in. And uh, it was led by uh, Sean Ryan Fox and uh, Catherine Daddario. So it, it's, it's a movie that we're, we're going the festival circuit just because there's a message that we want to get out there, and then we'll take it out for the financial. Well, but I, go out and showcase an artistic piece. It's, well, it's a very special movie. And if I was to put a, a, a pin on that one for, in particular for an Oscar not, um, consideration, that would be the one right there, the midway point, um, as far as uh, the upcoming movies. Um, there's two others, uh, by the rivers of Babylon, which is being billed as a, a psychological thriller. Um, and, uh, what can we say, can you say about that one? I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I know these are all upcoming movies, so I'm kind of like dancing down the fine line. So I don't get you in trouble for any NDAs or anything like that. So. No, no, of course, <laughs> of course. So, so we know uh, by the rivers of Babylon, we had another great cast. Um, and that was directed by Albert Sandoval. And he was also my producing partner on uh, Killing Winston Jones. Uh, the, cast been, the cast in there was great. We had Crispin Glover, Connie Stevens, and Jolie Fisher, Jolie Fisher and Mark Boone Jr. Uh, from Sons of Anarchy. Uh, the, the, the movie is, it, it's a little on the darker, on, on the darker side, but it's a, it's a, it's a horror thriller. And, uh, you know, once again, this, this film is in, in my business partner's hands, uh, just waiting for that release. And last but not least, which brings me to you, which is being billed as a romance. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is this, this movie. We shot this in New Jersey. It was a really great shooting there, uh, directed by Peter Hutchings and uh, produced by Claude Delvara. Uh It's starring Lucy Hale and Nat Wolf. So this is this film. Uh, it's based off of a best-selling book, and you know we're very happy with this. You'll see this in the, on, on the big screen. This is a great film that's coming out. And these are the seven films that will be upcoming from Benetton Films and Hillen Entertainment. Um, but currently in the movie theaters is The Flood. It is also on video on demand. I'd recommend seeing it in the movie theater if you can. Um, sir, I am unfortunately out of time, but I do appreciate you coming on and talking about everything that you are doing. Um, I, like I said, I was surprised by the number of films that uh, you've put out that I have watched. Um, and, and I really enjoyed our conversation, and I'd like to welcome you back onto the show when uh, any of these seven movies are about to uh, come out. 
Well, I really appreciate that, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking soon on Three Days in the Leg. Absolutely. All right, everybody else, uh, we have to take this break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Kaboom Radio Show. Everything you want, everything you need in pop culture entertainment. If you missed any part of tonight's production or show, uh, I encourage you to go and check out From 97 to Now Productions presents the Pop Culture Kaboom podcast. Uh, that's right. You can catch tonight's episode in its entirety um, there if you missed any part of it. And with uh, the podcast, you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio and Amazon Music and basically anywhere you get your podcasts at Pop Culture Kaboom is there. And you can listen to the show that way if you missed any of it as well as previous episodes. And there is going to be other stuff coming up as well. Some bonus material that will be thrown into the podcast uh, um, at, at a later date. So it, you, now is a good time to go and check it out. Pop culture, The Pop Culture Kaboom podcast. So um, I'm excited with uh, some of the things that are coming out. The uh, um, Operation Blood Hunt sounds very interesting. Yeah, that does sound interesting, yeah. Um, I can't wait to see about that uh, with, uh, you know, monsters or werewolves, oh, shall yeah. we say. On, Were- uh, werewolves are so hit and miss in, in movies. It's weird. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, then, you, then you get deceiving movies, too. Like, I just saw this one this weekend because I like, you know, the, the World War Two effect, you know, kind of thing. There's one on called burial that was like ooh, it says werewolves yeah they were not real werewolves what were they, they were they were soldiers that they called themselves werewolves oh yeah ooh. it was very disappointing like don't market it like that and like <laughs> uh, i thought you were going to say they were furries but... no no <laughs> no that's but even like, more horrifying yeah but yeah but you know it's like i was expecting true like werewolves like you know? <laughs> yeah. no they're just calling themselves werewolves yeah it was okay. like very disappointing oh <laughs> uh, okay well considering how how the biggest labor strike to hit the in- entertainment industry is pretty much shutting all major film and television productions now my might seem like an odd time to look ahead at what's ahead for The Last of Us. In a follow-up interview with Variety, Mazine discusses how a 2025 debut for the second season is still workable, but less and less. Uh, so so the longer the seg after and WGA strikes continue, hold on a second. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, can, so, uh, confirms that season three will happen and addresses the possibility of Familiar faces returning in flashbacks, which makes no sense. Um, I, I don't like flashbacks. Yeah, but you know that's kind of a, a trope these days. You know, Walking Dead wholly embraced that, and uh, you know even The Witchers, you know, with all the time jumps, is kind of working on on that trope too. Yeah, but you really haven't seen any characters that died come back, so mm-hmm. which is a good thing. I mean, in The Witcher, well, true. Um, even in flashbacks, right? Um, what bugs me though is. Um, it's 2023 and season yeah. two is coming out in 2025. Yeah, like why? And that was what? the orig- but that was the original plan. That's what's like really like it's it wasn't pushed back because of this. No, that was still the workable plan. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> how, why is it taking so long? Yeah, it's like because they, as far as I know, they aren't they don't have any games to help kind of keep the IP fresh in people's brain no, between I here mean, and there. Unless they're going to do think, another re-release of the first like, game again. Pedro Pascal just carries it all the way to 2025 somehow. 
Well, yeah, I mean, th- that man has so many things on his back that he's carrying so hard right now. No, I know. Yes, but still, that that's like ridiculous. 2025, come on. For season two release? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, don't wow. hype up season one if you're going to, like, three years later is when the season two comes out. That's Yeah, everybody's yeah. going to forget everybody's gonna forget you better release season one again like then, right before with the way they're working who knows by the time season two comes out season one maybe you can't even watch it you know like- that's true i mean <laughs> who knows what's gonna happen so as far as things go with marvel studios and disney plus's spider-man freshman year it's been a slow ride when it comes to updates back in november 2021 we learned about the series during disney plus day and were treated to early key art with more news to come well, uh, with Jeff Trammell trapped as head writer and executive producer, in addition, we learned that the series takes place in an alternate MCU timeline with Norman Osborn meeting and mentoring Peter Parker instead of Tony Stark, like in the films. Okay, now we get to flash ahead to San Diego Comic-Con 2022 with Marvel Studios offering a number of updates on projects in various stages of development with regards to Spider-Man freshman year. We learned that the animated series will hit the streaming service in 2024 and will include appearances from Doctor Strange, Harry and Norman Osborn, Amadeus Cho, Charlie Cox's Daredevil, Paul F. Thompson's Bentley Whitman and Nico Minoru. And what could be seen as a good sign, the team already has an order in place for Spider-Man sophomore year. That's all well and dandy. But over the past year, things have been pretty quiet. It was until this week, that is, because we've learned over the past 24 hours that the animated series will be getting some serious anime street cred when it hits our screens next year. That's in large part due to the news that Polygon Pictures, who did Night of Sindonoa, Godzilla anime film trilogy, Blam! Uh, Kane of the Great Snow Sea will be working with Marvel Studios to bring the project from the page to the small screen. Hmm. So, interesting. If the series can pull off what Adult Swim's doing with My Adventures of Superman, Marvel Studios could have a very unique animated hit on its hands for the first time ever. And they could really use a hit. I mean, they are languishing right now. Yeah, they are. Especially the uh, Marvel animated side, movie side. Oh, the Marvel animated side has been terrible. Always been terrible. Yeah, so it'll be like the first hit ever. (laughs) Well, well, yeah, but on the small screen, they have had good good hits on the small screen. Animated-wise? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, Spider-Man series, the X-Men series. But those were were back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, so, you know, a couple decades they haven't had, well, they haven't really had big hits, but... Yeah, see what I mean? Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting one that actually, um, you know, if I was in better physical condition, that I might actually be interested in participating. Uh, any fans of a zombie? Uh, any fans of a zombies have pro- of um, of a zombies of zombies have probably read the zombie survival guide, and many a Walking mm-hmm. Dead enthusiast will imagine whether whether they'd truly survive an outbreak. Would you survive, Spencer? I'd like to think so. <laughs> Rob, would you survive? Uh, yeah. You know, I I know I would survive. I'm already making a list. Uh, I uh, just some of the people that I see walking around now. I'm like, you know, I'm if there's a zombie apocalypse, I'm shooting that person out of principle. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm yeah. serious. I don't uh, want you a to come back as a zombie or b be on my side with the zombies. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. well, I, I got a very mean wife and a and a very well prepared father in law that I live with. So All hopefully right. between them, you know, and and what. Meager skills I bring to the table. Hopefully, we'll be able to. So, what if people need help? Would you leave them to die? Depends. 
Mm-hmm. Context. Eh. Context is or very Or fight heavy. through the hordes to preserve what few humans are left. It depends, because we've all seen The Walking Dead, and there's some bad humans. So. Yes, there is. <laughs> Netflix's Korean reality show is about to answer these questions. Reality show? Zombieverse takes Korean TV personalities and pits them against legions of the undead in grueling challenges across the city of Seoul. <laughs> reality yeah this is this is an extremely ambitious though experiment brought to life the locations aren't sets either they're actual places across seoul a lot of zombie films have employed cgi to increase the horde of undead numbers but these droves of zombies are all real (laughs) i like it which also with with very very thick quotation marks well they're they're real people in zombie makeup but anyway they're not cgi'd no they're not uh, which also means a massive amount of makeup and costuming and a massive amount of coordination. Quite possibly tons of fun for all of those extras, though we'll see how the reality treats the contestants. Certainly it's all just silly humans uh, making a silly game, but sometimes immersion can really toy with your head. Luckily, the rules are simple. Complete the challenges to survive, find food, water, transportation, and shelter while avoiding the zombies. If you get bitten, well, sadly, you're out of the game. As with most zombie lore, a bite is a death sentence. Now those savvy to the... uh, now, those savvy to the hungry hordes know that duct tape around the arms and legs is a decent strategy, and a trash can lid can avoid can often save your life. But we'll see if those are allowed. <clears throat> there was a trailer too, and I, I watched the trailer. I, love it. I will forward it to you guys after the show. I love it. Um, the trailer uh, <laughs> actually, I I don't know, man. I don't know if it'd be too much fun for these extras because uh, one guy was literally doing a serious kicks to the chest to people. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And, and well, I was hopefully, like, hopefully those were stunt extras. No, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'd be like, talk about uh, breaking character real quick. Right? Now, are these going to be the fast zombies or the slow zombies? No idea. What I saw was there were a lot of uh, zombies kind of meandering around. So it'd be kind of cool, like, because you said it's different locations each time. Like, they switch it up. You know, they're like, ready for like the slow zombies and the fast ones coming at them you know <laughs> in a supermarket right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah how do you pull that off too i mean the, to be able to close off a section of soul just for well, and just load it up with zombie extras i mean what about the people who are like just living there well, in your Korea day-to-day very life government orientated so a lot of their films like most are produced, of the world yeah. well but a lot of their <laughs> films know, are produced by such, the government yeah. and stuff so the government yeah, probably yeah. was like okay we're doing this right here and <laughs> yeah. well and they probably compensate like the businesses and stuff well hopefully they hopefully they do and hopefully they do it fairly well i mean but, can you imagine <clears throat> like all you go i'm gonna go out to the store and get a loaf of bread now all of a sudden there's like all of these zombies wandering around i mean does that like you make you an contestant by default (laughs) (laughs) something you could never do in the united states because i know that uh you know they don't have firearms over there (laughs) has always been a grief of mine with korean films was like i'd shoot them (laughs) yeah (laughs) where's my gun so um but i i will watch this it's called zombieverse it will be on netflix and uh yeah this is going to be interesting because it's not like squid games where Mm -hmm. you know it's a production. This is a reality show. So I, I, like I, I will so. watch it. That's for sure. And we'll talk about it here on the show afterwards. Ah, so that's that's going to be fun. I, I like Squid Games. Well, and uh, I'm a I, fan of Korean, Korean I do too. Like, they, have, they have some really good 
um, zombie movie like shows yeah, like on a, like Train to Busan and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I still have to watch Peninsula, which is the sequel. The sequel. Yeah. Mm. So that that movie and Love and Monsters. Those are the two I'm waiting for. Oh, Love come. and Monsters is great. I want to watch that. I've been waiting for that. Those it's are great. Just, those are the two biggest victims of the pandemic. Uh, are those two films. And uh, those are unfortunately the ones I haven't been able to watch. Godzilla is returning in a new Toho film, the first since Shin Godzilla in 2016, titled Godzilla Minus One. The first poster and trailer for the film were revealed this week. Uh, Set in a post-war Japan, Godzilla Minus One will once again show us a Godzilla that is a terrifying and overwhelming force, which you already get a sense of from the trailer, teaser trailer and poster. The concept is that Japan which has already been devastated by war, faces a new threat with Godzilla bringing the country into the minus. Uh, Koji Uida, uh, president of Toho International, said in a statement, uh, Takasai Yamazaki is directing the film. This is the 30th film in the Toho Kaiju film series. For you MonsterVerse fans, the next time you'll see Godzilla will be in 2024's Godzilla X Kong, The New Empire. Godzilla Minus One was first announced in November of 2022. The film will debut in Japan on November 3rd, 2023, and in theaters in the U.S. nationwide on December 1st, 2023. I'm looking forward to that. Me too. It looks really, really, really good. Thank you all for tuning in tonight, no matter where you are listening. We genuinely appreciate your being here. We hope you enjoyed the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show. A big thank you to our guest, Damon Hillen. His latest production produced film, The Flood, is in theaters now and on video on demand. Go check it out. You can check out all of Damon Hill's produced films, Benetton Hillen Entertainment's films, and more at their official website, BenettonFilms.com, all one word, and also connect with them through their social media links to keep up with all of Benetton Hillen's entertainment's upcoming releases. Next week, Sunday, July 23rd, it's Guest Galore, as our special in-studio guest will be co-founder and executive director of the Cordillera International Film Festival, Emily Skyle Golden. The Cordillera International Film Festival is one of the top 100 festival f- film festivals in the world, and it's right here in northern Nevada. Emily Skyle Golden will be here for the entire show to tell us about the 150-plus films, these all-star panels, the red carpet events, and the parties happening during the five-day Cordillera International Film Festival. We'll also be talking with Brandon Boykins, the president and co-founder of Cosplay for Kindness. We'll be talking with Brandon Boykin about all of the charitable activities Cosplay for Kindness does in Northern Nevada, the upcoming fundraiser at Coffee and Comics location in Sparks, Nevada, to help Cosplay for Kindness obtain their 5013C nonprofit classification, and how you can join Cosplay for Kindness. Please continue supporting Pop Culture Kaboom by listening every week to the Pop Culture Kaboom radio show on KNVC 95.1 M, 1 FM. If you missed any part of tonight's show, you can find it archived at KNVC 95.1 FM's website, knvc.org, or you can subscribe to the brand new Pop Culture Kaboom radio show podcast produced by 97 to Now Productions. And not only get tonight's episode, but also previous episodes and some bonus material that'll be coming up as well. Also, check out the Pop Culture Kaboom on Facebook for everything you want, everything you need from pop culture entertainment daily, and subscribe to the Pop Culture Kaboom, a YouTube channel for video interviews from events we have and will be attending this year. On behalf of our guest, Damon Hill, Tony Sanfilippo of Filippo's Horrible Reviews, KNBC 95.1 FM, Spencer, Robin, me, and I, thank you for your continued support. Have a great week. We will talk with you again right here live next Sunday, 6 to 9 p.m. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and peace out, Wabbits. <laughs>